What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Kitchen Table Podcast, episode 13, coming to you from Dale's Garage today. Um, this is, uh, we got some new equipment today. So we got, we got Tony, Tony on the other line. Uh, Dale, you want to explain why he's on the other line? Yeah, so uh, our threesome, um, we are all on separate shifts now because our beloved Tony Bratcher became promoted to battalion chief. So we, our first shout out of, the, of this episode is uh, to Tony Bratcher. Congratulations on your promotion. We're so proud of you and well-deserved. I, I appreciate that, guys. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm currently getting kicked in the teeth and learning. I feel... <laughs> I feel brand new all over again, so uh, it's a uh, it's truly, truly humbling, and uh, you know I, I can't appreciate my agency enough and the learning the new guys I work with and everything like that. So, but as always, I appreciate you guys, uh, Dale. I've mentioned you as a mentor before, and you know I learned something from everybody, but I can't thank you enough. Well, I, I, you know, Tony, it's crazy because, like we've always said, you were the class clown of the of the class <laughs> of our class, and look at you. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a modern day success story. I have a lot of people fooled, so, um, you know, I, hopefully, my fire chief, he's a loyal listener. He likes to refer to himself as our our number one fan, but uh, you know, he's either he either saw potential or he's dumb. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll withhold our uh, answer to that question, but uh, (laughs) I think you made a good choice uh, from what I've seen, what I know, uh, what you're doing here, what, I mean, bringing this together. I think this is, uh, this is awesome and uh, uh, exciting times for you. Uh, You really care about your people um, and that shows through your union work. so are you going to be able to continue with the union stuff in your no. so uh, you know taking care of firemen has always been my passion uh no matter what role and that's why i've i've, I've loved the union right season and and uh according to my agency's merit rules i cannot stay in uh in the union role so i've already resigned i'm waiting until they fill it to officially resign um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to taking care of firemen on my shift in my battalion. So, um, yeah, I, you know, leaving the union is not an easy thing because I love it and I'm very passionate about it. I believe in what the union is doing now more than ever. Um, but you know, I still plan to be there for whoever takes over and, uh, you know, provide them advice and, and, uh, and a smooth transition to let them run the, the County local the way they need to. And, uh, I'll still be involved, and I will always care about the IFF, and I will always pay dues and be a part of that. Well, we definitely need to get some uh, union leadership on our podcast to talk about legislation and protecting yeah, might, firefighters. Yeah, that, that's definitely future. So uh, since uh, Battalion Chief Bratcher is at the firehouse today, um, uh, I was asked to lead this one, so hopefully I can uh, – live up to uh tony's uh legacy of uh hosting here so uh, he does a great job hopefully i don't disappoint uh before we get started did you have something to say ryan oh you were standing up um we've had some great episodes uh we're going to do some shout outs now um we congratulated tony but uh ryan's going to talk about uh, a new sponsor that's on board 
Yeah, so we just brought on um, Charge the Line Design. And, uh, Dale, you got your... Yes, I do. Your uh, gift that they sent us, and we're very appreciative of it. Uh, definitely Christmas around the corner. You know, <laughs> Christmas being around the corner, you can... Uh, now's the time to jump on that website, Charge the Line Design. It'll be in the description below. And uh, be sure to use that coupon code KTP15 and uh, 15% off. So, yeah, so Ryan, Ryan, fun, real quick, uh, if I may, I've known uh, I've known Brian and his wife uh, for a long time uh, with Charge Line Design. I watched them start it. I have uh, I have ordered several things through them, and uh, Brian is a real salt of the earth guy, real family man, um, a- as down to earth as they get. So you know, I couldn't if, if you were looking for sponsors for 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 the podcast, you know, aside from the awesome tumblers he sent us and all of that, he's just a quality guy. And that is, you know, supporting firemen who own small businesses. That's, you know, that's at the core of what we do. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have known him. And it actually happened by chance. Ryan, Ryan's reached out to him. I didn't even reach out to him. So, and Ryan didn't even know that he was in my local and, you know, a friend of mine. So uh, it's crazy how it all works out. But yeah, uh, shout out to Brian and his wife and, and Charge the Line Design. Yeah, and I welcome them on board. I can't wait to meet them. I don't, I don't know him. I may have met him in the past, but I'm horrible at names, so I can't wait to meet them someday, and I appreciate the gifts we got. Uh, just uh, something we want to start doing is uh, recognizing the line of duty deaths. Uh, year to date now, we're at 61, so let's just take a few uh, seconds and uh, silence and honor those who have laid down their lives protecting in uh, protecting our uh, great profession. We can't, we can't ever forget them. We can never forget those who have laid down their lives, uh, made this profession better for us. Um, we've talked to, we've always seen the posts in the past, like if you could sit down on a park bench with one person and the fire services passed away. It, it's really hard for me to dwindle that down, but Chief Croker, FDNY, came up that great. I have uh, no ambition but one, and that is to be a fireman. I couldn't imagine sitting down talking to a gentleman like that. The times are so different, but you, we can think about those, uh, remember that, research them. Um, but I'm also a nerd. I love the fire service, and I'm always into a, a book or something, and I did bring uh, Corley Moore's new book, or the, the 9Ls on vacation. I made it uh, into chapter one and it, on the first day of vacation, and then it sat on the uh, coffee table, so I got a lot of reading to do on that. Um, I listened not because, to that on the way up here. Yeah, not because it's not good. It's just we had a lot of family time. So uh, just real quick, when um, if you ever get down to the Charleston area um, – we were down there on family vacation and we've never been to Charleston and I really wanted to go see the Charleston nine Memorial. Um, I didn't know if we go and all that, but it happened. We were driving down the Savannah highway and when I was thinking about it, it popped up on my navigation on the map. So I pulled in, uh, I, uh, I just walked through it myself. Um, pretty humbling when you cross the strip of bricks, that represents the front door and seeing where they found them. It's pretty humbling. If you ever get down to Charleston, take 
five, ten minutes, go down there and honor those guys uh, for what they did. Um, moving on, Ryan, you got a new engine, had a little pushing ceremony. How's that going? Going good. You know, other than the few little hiccups that come with the new Always engine, happens. but a lot better than what we had. We had a 2006 Pierce, went to uh, Seagrave now, so very excited for it. Yeah. Uh, We've had a bunch of car fires on the other shifts, but that's about it. But yeah, happy uh, happy to have it. First Seagrave in the Johnson County area, so that's right. Yeah, um, I actually made a a run with your B shift boys on Engine ninety four the other day. Had a PI with entrapment shortly after uh, Olive Greenwood was on a house fire, so I got pulled over there. So got to work with some other agencies. Um, we're gonna. Uh, just some quick news. Uh, anybody got anything to add? But uh, uh, shout out to my battalion chief, Kyle Brooks, and my son, Jordan Saucier, who works at White River. They both have birthdays today. So, uh, and Kyle is actually Jordan's godfather, too. So um, uh, they both have birthdays. And I got a text uh, just a couple hours ago. One of my backsteppers, Cody Laughlin, him and his wife, Kathy, just had a baby boy named Theo. He's healthy. Mom and, mom and baby's doing good. I think dad's uh, going to not be sleeping for a while. It's their second child. I'm super excited for him. Uh, I will be their favorite, his favorite captain. So uh, there is that. So, um, but you have anything, Ryan? No. Tony, you have anything? No, sir. Uh, happy birthday to those two. And uh, welcome to the, the KTP family, little one. Yeah. Sweet. That's that's good little plug there. <laughs> so it's my honor. We were sitting down, uh, kind of just throwing out names. And then we decided to put names on paper because we forget who we said because we're old, especially me. But I have hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're 10 minutes in and we're already taking jabs at my hair. Like, come on. <laughs> so... Uh, it's just like being at a kitchen table. <laughs> it's exactly like kitchen table. And you heard our guest. Uh, he just chimed in right there and already smiling and nodding his head. And um, But I've known our guest for a little while in fire service, probably 10. So it was uh, 2010 when we did that train the trainer for the uh, machinery up at Fisher's Machinery Rescue. Yep. Uh, was who came in spec uh, spec rescue, spec rescue came in and did that. Virginia. Yeah. Yep, and we did that, and that's I think that's where I actually met yep. you. Was so it'd been 2010, 2010. So we're at 13 years mm-hmm. known each other. Uh, again, another person I consider a brother that we don't hang out, but if we're a text message away, yep. we're a Facebook message away, and guaranteed at least once a year we're going to be in class together. Oh, yeah. Every, uh, yeah. At least every year at FDIC, we're up there. Yeah. So, so um, our guest today, one of the uh, – on episode number 13 is John Shackelford out of the Terre Haute region. Yes. So we got a west sider, far yeah. west side. Yeah, you're, we're seven miles from <laughs> Illinois. So Seven miles from Illinois. Uh, he's a battalion chief with the Honey Creek Fire Department. Fire Department. On the south side of Terre Haute. Yeah, so we basically, if you know Terre Haute, we start basically at I-70, and we work south all the way through the industrial park, about 42 square miles with four stations. 
So do you uh, butt up with Riley? So Riley's going to be to our east, Pert into our west, and then we're running almost all the way to Sullivan County to the south with uh, some auto aid with a very small uh, volunteer department that is, uh, you know, typical volunteers struggling right now. It's a small farming community, and we're they're trying hard. They're trying to make some changes and make it better, but it's uh, we're going running almost all the way to Sullivan County. So, so. I my first run in with Honey Creek was many years ago when I took master strategy and tactics. Wow. <laughs> wow. And did, 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 did you still carry leather buckets then? We or, had leather yeah, buckets. Yeah, I had a, the old man showing his age there. <laughs> yeah. The, le- I, the leather buckets and the uh, and, and the tin helmets, right? So uh, I, I had to leave a couple days earlier because the horse got tired on the way out there. <laughs> I seventy wasn't built yet. <laughs> so uh, you're not that old. <laughs> so um, the one thing I remember is they had yellow trucks, and I thought yellow, ugh. but they're still yellow. Still do um, park them outside longer, man. But here's the thing with that, you know, if you're in a toy store, what color are fire trucks? Well, they're red. They're red obviously. because real fire trucks are green. Toy fire trucks are red. Is that how that works? Yeah, I've never heard that. That's a good one. See, we used to have. Slime yellow. But. You know, and we, so there's a funny story how we started that. Um, back in the 70s when my dad was doing this, uh, the insurance company said, you know, if your trucks are painted green, you get an insurance break. Right. They were a small volunteer department, same department I'm on now. Um, it was started out all volunteer. And we, uh, so we said, well, our trucks are green. Well, we owe you money. So they shipped us money and we painted all the trucks green. Oh, nice. Um, and it became, we became the uh, running joke of the green fire trucks. And now... We have our own PPG color that's our color code, and we stick with it. We love them, and it's it's something different. Um, you know, look at, like, south of southern Indiana. Ellettsville has baby blue fire trucks. Yeah. Um, you know, the coolest fire. One of the what a f- way to make yellow better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're exactly right. I mean, you know, I've seen purple ones. No I've disrespect seen- to Ellettsville. I, yeah. I love a lot of you guys there. So. <laughs> But yeah, we. I mean, so there. It's just something different. And we love it. It's uh, it's kind of our color scheme, and we're good with it. Well, my department had the yellow green mm-hmm. for a long time, and when they started it, it was because they used to have grants from the state to purchase fire apparatus, but you had to have them that color because that, that was the big kick. And that was the, the, the so the, the 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 way that the insurance companies found this out because I, I did this st- homework on this because I've taken so much crap about having green fire trucks. I mean, everywhere, <laughs> all the way e- everywhere I go, I go, I go to. Um, I go to Arkansas. You have green fire trucks? Yes, we do. Are you guys on an airport? No, we're not. <laughs> um, you know, and so they actually did a study in the 70s that that color green is the last color you see as you're falling asleep subconsciously. Yes. And that was the reason that they were, the insurance companies wanted these trucks painted green. I mean, FDNY did it for a while. In the 70s, FDMI had green fire trucks. Right, but they probably wrecked them intentionally to get rid of them. <laughs> I, I, I could see that happening 100%. Well, I think, I think even beyond the banter here, there's, there's, a, there's a really cool lesson here, and, and I just kind of subtly caught this. You know, no matter what your fire trucks, what color they are and what color you think they should be, you have pride in your agency. Absolutely. And you, you are able to tell a story of why they're this color. So, you know... We can we can banter back and forth. Uh, in my opinion, a fire truck just has to have a cue, and it has to have the right cue. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'll get on the serious side. It has to have people passionate to do the job sitting in it, and that doesn't matter what color it is. If it's completely rusted out, 
and tools fall out of it, if you have passion, you're unstoppable. Yeah, so absolutely. That's, that's, absolutely. So a couple other things, 1997-ish? Uh, yeah, started, started? In, started in the uh, October 1 of 97 was my first day as a volunteer. Um, was a volunteer through um, 99. Um, came on career. My first career shift was uh, December 23rd of uh of uh of uh 99 uh stayed there and then left and went to the newport chemical depot uh which is about 60 miles north of Terre Haute. we stored all of VX. the uh vx nerve agent for the united states um and that's where it was all demilled uh very boring place to be a fireman <laughs> um because we covered thirteen thousand acres and only the stuff inside the fence we actually sat at our gate with seven guys two engines and watched a semi burn in front of our place and they would not let us go out the gate um yeah it, it was rough um we were state road 63 runs right in front of us and we sat and watched it burn uh we watched the we watched two guys from a fire department where we i mean they were it was if you leave you're fired because we were government contractors and we were paid to protect just the people there it's a the the, the government contracting world is a different world um, saw the writing on the wall that that was ending. Uh, as the VX started to go away, we <laughs> knew that was ending. Uh, that it was a great paying job, and then went back to Honey Creek, and I've been there since 2007. Again, I went back in seven, and been there ever since. Never left the department. Stayed as a volunteer after I left. Uh, we're a combination department. Um, still rely on our volunteers heavily, um, but um, yeah, I've been there ever since. Uh, promoted in first promoted in 12. 2012 and then about uh 2018 i promoted up to battalion chief uh and then been there ever since and i i think i'm at my peak um i have the best job on my the best place on my job um i love it um i have an amazing crew and i i can't see me going anywhere else so nice 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 um Couple other things I've listed: Task Force One instructor with Ron Richard. Yeah, so I got a. That's a funny story too. I met a one of his instructors here in Indianapolis. He was doing a one day class. I think you might have been at that yes. class. It was supposed to be on um, nursing home fires, and it turned into a mid rise fire yep. class. It was yep. with uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan McCormick. Yep. And um, I met Ryan there, and we became fast friends. Um, we uh, we talk. Uh, I bet I talk to Ryan probably sometimes twice a week. Uh, he's in Little Rock, Arkansas, and um, Ron did a call for instructors. Um, been in the instructing game for a little bit, enjoy it. And I reached out to Ryan. I said, "You should do it." He's absolutely you should do it. Uh, so I did it. Did a test teach, and I've done probably ten classes for Ryan, uh, for Ron, all over the country. Uh, we've been Georgia, a lot in Pennsylvania, uh, let's see, Kentucky, um, mostly out of this region. But yeah, I've done done several classes with him, and love yeah. it. It's fun, yeah. a lot of fun. I had, when I was the training safety chief, I brought them in. They did a lightweight building construction class, mm -hmm. and we had another class, too. I can't remember. I've, what ho I've hosted them before. They've done it. We did a battalion chief prep school. Uh, we brought them in and did a, uh, uh, or I've sent guys to that class. Um, we've hosted a uh, truck and bus rescue class. Um, I actually hosted it at my department with my record service that I work for on my day off job. And uh, we did a record assist uh, extrication class. And uh, you're good, good people. I've met some amazing guys and amazing instructors through that. I've been very fortunate to be involved in there. It's a lot of fun. Um, give you time. You have a class coming up out there. Pretty pretty good class don't uh, you uh that's through another group yep. that i met through yep. uh through ron um i met these guys uh jeff eckert and gabe salas uh they started a company called philly 10 helmet training 
Um, I've got uh, they're going to be in for a writ class for us. Um, they just started their company. They're probably they're only a year into it. Um, I met them through Ron. Um, we actually worked together the first time. We did a 12-day training in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. It was the 1st of September. It was 100 degrees. We did VES with live fire for 12 straight days <laughs> in 100-degree heat. Um, it was um, <laughs> made some awesome memories there, but it was um, that's where I met Jeff and Gabe. Jeff and I did... Um, uh, VES together for all the job of Little Rock. Every member of Little Rock came through this class. Um, it was uh, it was really cool, but um, I never, ever, ever want to do that again. Um, <laughs> I was driving home, Little Rock, seven hours from my house. I had to stop every 45 minutes because I was physically so tired I couldn't drive anymore. It took me like 12 and a half hours to get home. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of work on the instructors. Oh, man, we were, we were doing four groups a day. We'd have them for about two hours a group. And we do uh, walkthroughs with them. Uh, we do uh, without air packs. We did the uh, walk, crawl, run, yeah. or crawl, walk, run. Sorry. And we would, and we ended up with live fire, actually dragging victims out. And we were uh, wasn't super uh, trying to create a lot of smoke. Uh, it was really, really good. It was it was a lot of fun. We had a. Uh, they were doing multiple classes there. So we one day they would do VES with us, and they had forceful entry. They had hose advancement classes. They had uh, they were doing. Uh, we had some guys from uh, Houston that were doing the roof cuts. They were cutting roofs, and they actually had North Little Rock came down and did part of that class. So they cut a roof, and they were they weren't all very active on uh, vertical ventilation. Uh, that night they went and cut a roof on a job, uh, raised the floor up. They did a VES and actually pulled a guy out the day after we taught them, the same day we taught them. So we did that in the morning, and that evening they actually made a grab with it. And the guy didn't make it, but it was just kind of cool. Um, so you don't get to do that very often. Right. You hear your classes that do that pretty good. So it was good. Didn't, um, didn't Jeff Eckert talk about that on uh, – On the scrap? On the scrap. Yeah, yeah, he talked about class. that. We, we had a, a very interesting uh, time with uh, Ryan's uh, volunteer department. Uh, they, uh, there, there may have been a grand larceny of a fire truck. Um <laughs> I, I can't allegedly. say allegedly um, it, it started out with a um, we were trying to finish up. We've been there for uh, 11 days. Uh, we were trying to get our clothes washed, you know, get ready so we could all go home. And he took us to his volunteer department, Collegeville Fire. Um, bunch of absolutely dedicated people there. What a great place he's got. And they fight so much fire. I am so jealous <laughs> of his volunteer department. They fight so much fire. But we were doing a, um, we were doing our clothes, and Ryan had been going for 12 days with this too. And he's like, You guys stay here. We had our cars take us back to the hotel. He goes, If we catch a fire, somebody will come. You guys can go. Well, we kind of forgot that somebody's going to drive you. And uh, Gabe may have gotten the truck, and my gear's all tore apart being washed. So I'm at the back of their station pulling fire gear out, just trying to find something that I could wear. And I turn around with the fire gear, and there goes their squad, which is a uh, 55-foot uh, squirt tele or, uh, uh, snozzle. So it's just yeah. got the – and it pulls away, and I'm standing in front of the firehouse pulling, holding the gear, and Ryan pulls up. He goes, who's in the – who's in the uh, uh, who's in the, uh, the, the, the squad? I, I just kind of shook my head. I'm like, I don't know. Who's driving the squad? I go, I don't know. And he called Gabe out. Is Gabe driving the squad? Kind of shook my head. Yes, he said, get in. So we get in, and we tried it. They went the way Google took them, and we went the way that Ryan took us, and we beat them to the fire. And they pulled up, and it was so funny. This was – I'll call it a trouse. If I call a trouse, as you guys know what I mean, it's like two trailers put together with a roof yes. over the top of it. It was already yeah. on the ground. They come off with saws, and we had, like, two guys from Houston, uh, two guys from Philly, uh, a guy from Baltimore, myself, and we all kind of pull up, and we just, like – 
on this out. You know, we just like surround this trouse and like 30 minutes later, we're packing hose up and these guys are like stopping, taking pictures. And it was, uh, it was a cool deal. It was a lot of fun. It's one of those things I tell Ryan, um, every year it happens that the picture comes up on Facebook and we all comment on it. And that story has to be told at my funeral, plain and simple. <laughs> Any fire story has to be told is that one. It's a memory that we'll never, ever forget. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Those Definitely a pretty cool memory there. Oh, yeah. Steal a fire truck in Arkansas, and then you come back, and it gets starts getting posted, and my guy's like, were you on? Did you happen? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are we seeing your picture pop up? I have no idea what you're talking about. about. Uh, the, the last thing I have on my list, which, I mean, I assume is not the least, three daughters? Three daughters. Um, I have uh, my youngest just turned 15. Um, I have uh, my middle daughter's 20. And my oldest daughter will be, uh, well, she'll be 20 in uh, January, and my oldest will be 22 uh, next month. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, busy. Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, they keep me hopping. Two of them still live at home. One of them is actually uh, living with her boyfriend. He's on the job. He was actually on my crew, and then he went to Tarot City. Um, so they were trying to be really cool about it. And hey, don't tell your, you know, they, he can't know we're dating, and they really think dad's dumb. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You know how yeah. kids are. They think dad's dumb, and I, I actually called him out on him. I said, you guys, Abby, you really think that I'm that dumb? No. I'm like, you know, so, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. So Nice, nice, nice. Uh, before we get into uh, the topics, uh, do you have any shout-outs or anything additional you want to say? You know, I have been – so blessed in this job. I grew up in a firehouse. We talked about that a little bit ago. Um, my old man joined in 76. Um, I was born in 77. Um, I actually have pictures of me on Santa Claus's lap in 78 at Christmas parties. Uh, you know, it was a family event back then. Um, my mom was part of the ladies auxiliary. Um, that was what they did for their social time. I mean, all the families knew each other. We, you know, as kids, we get dumped at the firehouse, and whoever the oldest kid there was was in charge of babysitting. <laughs> and the dads would go fight fire. The moms would take stuff to them that they need, or the moms would come pick us up as we came through. That's how it worked. And then um, my brother was on the job. Uh, my brother was uh, on the job at Honey Creek for 15 years before he moved south with his family. And uh, now I've got my oldest daughter is a volunteer for us. Uh, she did EMT class through high school. So she graduated with her EMT, and uh, she's actually running most of our prevention stuff now. So setting up all of the uh, scheduling stuff for prevention and getting getting us out to the places. So yeah, it's been uh, my family's been involved in that place a long, long time. So uh, it's it's funny to listen to you talk about on Santa's lap. Yeah, hung out at the firehouse. The oldest one took care of. I mean, you hear that story over and over again. I mean, National Fire Radio Jeremy talks about it. Yeah. How that's that was his childhood, yeah, and it led him to where he's at. And I can tell you this: I my my mom used to hate it. We lived about a mile and a half from the firehouse. If we were outside, I could tell you as a kid what fire truck was leaving by the sound of the siren. Yep. When I grew up going to call. I mean, that was in the you know late seventies, early eighties. My dad worked a swing shift. He was a uh, dispatcher for the state police for thirty years, and he worked uh, a week of days, week afternoon, week of nights. Well. During when he was on afternoons or nights, he was a lot of times it during the day and we would go on calls. I mean, we would go and my brother, who was four years old, he knew how to get the door open at the station, the side door. So dad would get out and get his gear because they all took their gear with them Mm because if somebody grabbed the truck, they just go to scene. Um, They would grab their gear 
and Jay get the door open and then we'd all run in and we'd be sitting in the truck when dad threw the door open and away we go. You know, I mean, just the way it was. That's that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's the good days. You know, and you can't do that with your kids now. You know, I got, oh, when I was going through one of my uh, divorces, they got brought up that I take my kids to fires. I did. My kids rode with me <laughs> in my personal vehicle to fires. Uh, we have, um, we can go back for off duty anytime we want to. I mean, it's basically free yeah. overtime. And my kids rode with me to fires. And whoever the oldest kid that was there, they, you know, all pile in one car. And, or I've got a picture of my uh, middle daughter. She stand, I'm running the pump at a fire. I could go in. She was with me. So she's standing on the side of the truck with me. She's got the headset on, and I'm running the pump for the fire. I mean, that's what my kids grew up. I'm, my, my oldest was so screwed into being the fire service, she had no choice. I mean, it's just the way it is. So. That is like some straight backdraft. Uh, I, the we, movie backdraft episode. That's what we did. I mean, we went to fires. We, I mean, I think the picture still. If you fall, go far enough back in my Facebook, you'll find the picture. As she's like four, and she's standing next to me. I mean, you know, the green truck in the background. Yeah. She's standing next to the side mount pump, and she stood there with me the whole time. You know, I mean, is it the best bringing up for him? I don't think it's too bad, but it actually got brought up. And when I, my ex-wife was trying to, uh, trying to paint me as a bad dude, you know how that works. But um, she. Um, and and the judge is like, I think I'd want him there if there was a fire. That solved that problem real quick. So, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yep, ex- case closed. Yep, yeah. Scene two. <laughs> um, which this kind of leads into the the first thing I want you to talk about. And I had two generations, but now we're finding out third. Um, so you're a legacy. Yeah, your daughter's a legacy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Um, you know, um, being the 10 years ago, I absolutely wanted my family to have nothing to do with it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, in 26 years, just like you guys, you've seen some stuff that you don't want to remember. And as parents, our job is to want better for our kids. And I don't want my daughters to have to deal with the mental strain that I've had over this stuff. Um, the problem is I'm so damn proud of it. I can't yeah. do anything about it. You know, my, my mom, uh, when I was a kid, um, they did not, uh, my, they had a cadet program when I was a kid. My mom wanted us to have nothing to do with, it. we could not be involved with it. Um, when I was growing up, when I went to school, I didn't want to be a fireman. When I in high school, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to build race cars. Yeah. I went to school to be a welder and I wanted to build race cars. And, um, I came back from welding school and I realized that all of my friends, my brother was involved in, I'm like, well, this seems kind of cool. So I joined as a volunteer and then, um, got through my classes and it just kind of rolled snowballed into it. But it means, um, it means a lot to me that my daughter wants to do it, but if they don't want to do it, I'm okay with it. If my daughter came home tomorrow and said, dad, I'm done being an EMT. I'm done with the fire service. That's your call, babe. I'm I'm happy for you. Um, you You know, know what? what, what's what's funny is this we we talk about you know how much this job can put you through and the mental stress and and now with the emergence of cancer and how you don't want your kids to be a part of it but i would be remiss if i did my my son's 11 i would be remiss if i said you know i've had a really good life i've met the most fantastic people that wear turnout gear i've i've been blessed with brothers across the country um you know i want my kid to experience the fellowship of life like i have uh, and that that's all because of the fire service. So it's it's that constant struggle. And, um, you know, my kids aren't as old as yours, but it, it is 
it is crazy to think that I would want them to miss out on all the great fire services brought me because of the few things I'm afraid of for them. Oh yeah. And my kids have seen the friends that I've made. Um, my, my daughter, I'll be on the phone with Jeff uh, Eckert or I'll be on the phone with Ryan or I'll be on the phone with Devin Craig messaging back and forth with Devin Craig. And she's like, who are you talking to and where are they at this time? <laughs> you know, or I say, Hey, I'm traveling for a class this week. Where are you going this time? You know, uh, I went down, uh, the last one I went to was down in Little Rock. I went down to first in and I uh, helped Ryan with that. And, I come back and they're like, you're so different when you come back from these. You're like recharged. It it does. It recharges me getting around like-minded people. And I would love that for my kids. But if they found that in some other career, I'm all for it. It's whatever makes them happy. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. It was funny because my youngest son, he's 18. We were going somewhere the other day. And I got two phone calls from guys at the firehouse just talking about stuff and after the second one hung up and he's like, dad, the conversations are just different. When you talk to other firefighters, he goes, I have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. He goes, it's like a different language. And he goes, but it's different than if you get a phone call from a family member. Oh yeah. It's just so different. And he goes, it's always ends up with, Hey, love you. Yeah. Hey brother. Yeah. You know, it's always, it's always, and it's just natural. It's just, it's, it's cool. Yeah. When, when, Whenever we go out, my wife always tells me, she's like, listen, you're not at the firehouse. Those jokes aren't work. <laughs> yes. My girlfriend, my girlfriend does the same thing. She'll tell me, she's like, John, this, you, we're eating dinner now. This, we're out with friends for dinner. This isn't a, a firehouse conversation. Yes, ma'am. I just kind of shake my head. And, yes, ma'am. I always have two rules for my, for my kid. They can be anything they want, except they can't go to Purdue and they can't, and they can't be a cop. Outside of that. You can be whatever you are willing to work hard for, but you can't be a cop and you can't go to Purdue. I'm sorry if anybody goes to I Purdue. I completely agree with the whole Purdue thing. I mean, <laughs> who who likes Purdue? Even though even Mike though Pruitt. if my kid goes to Purdue, he's going to be successful and he's going to make some money. Listen, if, if you want to never speak to your, your dad again, that's a surefire way to do it. Um, yeah, my, uh, my daughter's uh, – uh, like I said, I, I've got one that's in school to be a, my middle one's in school to be a uh, social worker and I don't, she's so smart and I'm so proud of her, but man, she could, she tested out of like college math without even trying. I mean, it, yeah, she graduated a year earlier from high school. I don't know where she gets the brains because I promise you it's not from me. <laughs> well, I know somebody that if she ever wants to bounce social work stuff off of my wife, too. She's already she's already looking. <laughs> she, she's uh, halfway through uh, college and she's already looking for her master's program. So yeah. my wife just completed hers. No, so. sweet. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm trying to get my uh, bachelor done, and now I got all the fire stuff done. Now you got to do the hard stuff. <laughs> now you got to do the general. Well, now you like, got to do that. Now you got to do that school stuff. I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> Who puts letters in math? <laughs> <laughs> I went I went for my bachelor's in uh, a couple of years ago, and they made me take an art class, and that's the last class I took. Oh, I would I should have done that for you. I would have I, I, that would have excelled at that now math and science, yeah I don't know how well that would have worked for me. I had a Zoom call with a professor, and they'd be like, "Listen, Tony, art is in everything. You can find appreciation in everything." And for for a week after, I literally was staring at my TV like I don't know that that's art. The the thing is, is you should have been looking at. Another sponsor, Axe Head Threads, because that's art. Sure, yeah. So, 
Yeah, but I, I was mind blown, and that was the last <laughs> college course I took. So. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So uh, continuing on with what uh, uh, Tony Chief Bratcher is, has done. He pulled the uh, chief on you. He, uh, he, he's asked guests, he asked me, like, five leadership traits or qualities or skills or something that you think is important as a, a leader. Um, so I texted that out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured uh, you could probably come up with five, 10, 20, oh, 25, gosh. 30. <laughs> well, the, the problem was trying to figure out which ones <laughs> which, I wanted to use and how far I wanted to go. So uh, we're basically going to open the floor to you. Okay. If we have anything to ask or interject, we will okay. we'll, we'll pop in. But. So I, I sat down and I, I wrote this down like six times. I went through and tried to make a list and I'd make a list and I'd like, oh, that's not good. And I'd make another list and that's not good. And then I would go back and, um, yeah, and finally this morning um, at about uh, 7.15, I finally wrote down what I was going to say uh, <laughs> because my daughter's getting ready to go out the door and I was getting ready to get my coffee. I'm like, I, I got to finally like nail something down. Um, the first one is being a listener. Um, I've gotten more out of my my crew by active listening um sitting uh, making sure that uh this devil device that everybody has is put away when they come in my office i actually open a desk drawer put it in my desk drawer put the put the battalion phone in the desk drawer close the door and that's how we have a conversation um because i my phone rings all the time uh, my desk phone rings my my work phone rings my personal phone rings and having that at being that active listener um picked up a lot of things uh from my just by letting them talk um and it may be work it may be personal um it's just let having that having that open dialogue and listening actively what they say you know showing them that i'm interested in what they're saying and i'm terrible about it because i'm like everybody else i'm addicted to my phone it's that's my life i just before i started talking i picked it up make sure it hadn't rang sitting over here on the chair next to me um but it's you know it's being that listener um and that comes up to um along with communicating both ways um i like to talk um i i i I don't have any um i I never met a stranger um even from the time i was little my parents would tell you i'll talk to anybody probably less than more more than i should have but i like to hear people's stories um i like to talk to people i like to get to know people so being that listener is really big i mean you really got to You've got to you got to open up your ears, and I mean, because we tell the new guys, you know, you got you know, you got two ears and one mouth. Which one should you use the most of, right? Yeah. Um, but as we promote up, maybe we forget those things, and I have to work on it constantly. I'm t- I'm terrible about it, but that's one of the things that I try to try to be good at, and I'm I'm terrible at it, but I do my best. Well, we are notoriously, while we're listening, we're trying to figure out the answer. Exactly. And sometimes there is no answer. It's just an ear, a friendly ear. Um, I've been riding up as the BC, and I've been having a lot of people come in and just say, hey, I just need to talk. Well, I've had to intentionally get rid of that process in my head that they want an answer. Sometimes they just want to speak. Let it out. And Simon Sanye, he's a leadership, business leadership speaker i i love his stuff he actually had a video i watched yesterday on the gram Mm -hmm. about your cell phone yeah and about he goes when somebody comes in does flipping it upside down over so you don't see the screen is not not good enough 
put it in a drawer, like you said. Well, because my, my phone, when it rings, the light flashes. Yeah. So I know if it's upside down, I know that somebody's trying to get hold of it. You know what I mean? That's the way mine works. Both of mine work that way. So anybody have anything to add? No. Yeah. Let me let me ask you something, John. And this is because a, a when we do these, I'm always trying to learn too. Uh, and and not, being that I'm new in the battalion chief role, uh, what's what's your balance between? I want I want every guy that that is on underneath my command. I want them to be able to come to me and and and, and talk to me. But there's that fine balance of being a believer in the chain of command, and I want them to go to their officer too. What what? What kind of balance do you have there, John? How do you, how do you balance that? So my department is very unique. I'm a battalion chief. Of, I'm in charge of a shift, um, but I only have nine guys plus me on a shift. So I actually, I'm a. I have the rank of battalion chief. I have my own buggy. I drive, but a lot of times I work more as a company officer level on a lot of the stuff that we do because I've got uh, day chiefs if it's during the day are coming in or they'll come in if on a fire afterwards. And a lot of times I go from that command position into on the fire ground into more of a company officer position and it's really hard i have one other officer on my shift so i kind of play both roles um it's really and that's a really good question and it's really hard to say um man it that's tough why you had to hit me with the toughness first one off come on man. i was wait. i had it written down later <laughs> tony just throws yeah, it in there. i'm good with it no it is it, it's a it's a very delicate balance and you have to you know is and one of the questions and one of these things we were having these conversations, is this a personal conversation or is this a work conversation? Yeah. Um, is this something that you should have taken? And, and if it starts going down that road that this is a work conversation, I'm like, did you let the station supervisor, did you let the senior guy know about this? Well, no. Well, why don't you take it to them? And if it doesn't get solved, come back and see me. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what I was leading into, you yeah. know, as, as, as a new battalion chief, I want them all to know that, that their safety, their well-being, their happiness is my number one priority. Um, but I have to make sure that their officers are filled in with what's happening, too. So, you know, I never want to truly shut someone out, but I want to make sure that I'm affecting my agency's chain of command and and also being their advocate and being their friend and getting them resources they need, personal or professional. A lot of what I do with that, too, is when I get a new person on my shift, we have a very high turnover rate. We're a small department. Um, we're not in PERF. Um, we're a, a private non-for-profit. And so I can't, we're not in PERF. So we get a lot of guys that go to PERF jobs. They want that retirement. They want more money. I get that. And in my expectations, when they first come to my shift, I sit down and give them that expectations from the get-go. All right. I expect you, if you have an issue at a station, to go to the senior person. I expect you to, uh, to, to, to be able to deal with the people from the other shifts. Cause a lot of times, um, my station's the main station. We have, uh, my other firefighters, they'll talk amongst themselves at shift change. And then the two, the uh, offgoing chief and the oncoming chief, they'll go talk and there'll be separate conversations and you need to have those conversations. If it comes past where you guys can't figure it out, then it's got to come to us. Just like, I mean, just like anywhere else, but I set those expectations early that I want them to have that conversation with somebody. If it's a problem, have it before they come to me. They, they know where to go. They know on my shift, this is a senior person, this is a senior person. Deal with them at that station. And then if it gets past that, then I have to be involved. It's always, we tell them it's always bad when the battalion chief has to get involved in uh, station squabbles yeah. and shift squabbles. <laughs> um, come on, it, it, we're adults. Stop, you know, show up and do your damn job and go home. <laughs> you, you, you made a statement. You said set expectations early. Yep. Uh, people fail to do that. 
and uh, then wonder why they're not held to the standard they have in their head, but they never laid it out. Yeah. When we get new guys in, we got a new new guy, four new guys starting on the 23rd. So on Monday, uh, they're start. We got four new guys starting. Um, that's the first conversation I have. You're expected to be here. Shift starts at eight. You're expected to be here by 1522. You're expected to have your stuff ready. You're expected to do these things and lay those expe- expectations out early so they know, so they don't have to, they, they don't have to guess it's ready for them. Yeah. I think Dale, like you just said, when the expectations aren't laid out, that's, that's where the problems start, Yeah, you know, and it's just what happens. We're firemen. Like you said, it. <laughs> You think it would be easy for us to act like adults, but we're damn children. Yes. Well, you and know, and then it just builds and builds and builds. What is the worst thing for a battalion chief to deal with? Is board firemen. Yes. If we went to call after call <laughs> after call, life's good. When we're on calls, life is good. It's easy. It's when they get bored. Yes. Uh, when they have time to think about all the things <laughs> that are that, that I'm doing wrong or the administration's doing wrong. Um, it's a um, it's it's a challenge. We, we don't come up with new ways to get in trouble. Uh, Other than social media changed it. Yeah. But even that, now it's the same stuff yep. over and over and over again. Does that answer your question, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, like I said, I'm, uh, this, this, this podcast and the other, the other two on the podcast will tell you, you know, we want someone to get something out of each topic. Yeah. I, even us. We, oftentimes you'll find us taking notes. Um, so, yeah, I, oh, that, you can't see me here, but I've got a yellow pad laid out here with me and I, yeah, I've, I, I, nobody will be able to read them, but me and I'll be lucky That's to also, way, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I have a pencil and I'm working on that as we're talking. So, yeah. Yeah. That, it, that's why I got this nice journal that nobody will steal because nobody else will like the color. Um, but I just to have a, a clearing house that I can go back through and write down notes for guests and go back peruse through it and so um you have any, anything else to add to that no that's that a big one on that one, one. listening and again it kinda, kinda, we kind of went down one. a rabbit hole there but um <laughs> you know um doing those expectations and and that you know, we kind of went down a little rabbit hole there but that's yeah that's the big one there awesome well it's kind of like the firehouse table i mean yeah. we we start start on one subject and all of a sudden the next thing you know we're it always we're, ends up wrong it's that's what problem is it always ends up wrong just as long as human resources doesn't call and want to hear the joke uh, we're good <laughs> dear chief nobody is more surprised <laughs> what else you got for us uh the second one and this is hard too is being humble hmm. um here's we're put and we we promote up to these positions um, I never went after my first promotion. Um, back in the day when, when I promoted, um, if you did a good job and you did the things that you're supposed to, you know, going to classes, trying to educate yourself, um, that's how you got promoted at my job. There was no promotion process. And I never wasn't going after my first promotion. Um, I used to have a, uh, I had a, a helmet, a sticker on my black helmet that says black cat forever. And that was more because I was the pain in the ass who caused, not, not kind of caused the problems, but I wasn't afraid to cause waves. And I never figured that I would move up. I was okay with that. Um, but um, yeah, I didn't go after my first promotion. Um, and I really didn't go after my second one. Um, I went through when I promoted up, um, I kind of skipped over captain. I went from a, a lieutenant um, and then the training, ca- the training chief at that time uh, left the job. And I was helping him and went directly into that training chief's position in 2015. And, um, again, wasn't prepared for what that involved. Um, 
I'm good with teaching. I am terrible at paperwork. Oh. Um, at, yeah, everybody <laughs> raises their hands. Uh, I am terrible at paperwork, and I realize that being in charge of training is a lot more about paperwork and a lot less about teaching. Yes. And that was very, um, very different, very, that big learning curve. But, you know, the one thing that, um, along with the humble side is, um, and this kind of ties into one later too, is being humble and backing your companies. It's not me. I, if somebody says, hey, you guys did great. I said, no, my, you're right. My guys did great. I had nothing to do with that. Um, I was in, where was I? I was teaching a class somewhere. And of course, you know, with the phones, I get every call that we have. Um, three in the morning, my phone goes off. They've got a working fire. I'm out of town and at a class. So I'm sitting up in my, in my hotel room, you know, bringing up the, broad, the broadcast app, whatever, and I'm listening to the fire and I'm listening to this fire and they go in and they knock out, knock it out in the first room, you know, search is complete. Everything was done. And I'm like, I don't even have to be there. They, 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 they made me look good and I didn't have to be there. Yeah. Um, and that's my goal is letting them do that. And, and knowing that if I'm out of town, um, I don't have to worry about it. They, 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 and I don't know how that ties in with being humble, but just knowing that putting my, I guess putting my guys first, um, you know, it comes all the way down to, eating last and making sure that, you know, these guys uh, go on medical calls and they're doing station duties. I'll start doing their station duties. I'll finish, you know, mopping floors. I'll clean toilets, you know, just so they can, they got to come back and write a mess report. I don't, you know, so. What's that like when you, when you have a a fire going out, you're not there. You turn that on. Are you, I mean, you, you probably like go into dad mode, right? You're nervous. You're I didn't go back to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's three in the morning and I was up all night long and I'm like, cause you know, I'm worried. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, you can do more of it from the, you know, you can watch the clock more, you know, okay. They just entered with part two. They've been in seven minutes, you yeah. know? Okay. And then, then I found myself with my notebook out and I'm like, I'm like scribing, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, why am I doing this? I, I'm supposed to be having fun. I'm supposed to be relaxing. I can't, I can't shut it off. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's totally weird. Uh, I've done that a couple on the way up here with my, uh, it's another shift, but they got, uh, uh, banged out to a uh, possible fire to Walmart. Uh, they had a power surge and they had things smoking in the building and everything else. And I'm like, I'm listening again, radio died halfway here. So I couldn't hear, you know, got too far away. So then I'm like pulling up and it's running through the speakers <laughs> in the car and I'm like, okay, try to think about this. And you know, it's, it's, but trying, and I guess that I don't know how to tie that back into being humble, but making sure you put your guys first is, I guess, more than anything else. Put your people, put your people on a pedestal and you stand below them. You know, they're, so they're the, I, they're the ones, they're the ones that are doing the job. All I'm doing is making sure that, uh, that I, their paperwork gets put in, right? They, they tell me, my guys tell me all the time, all you got to worry about chiefs, make sure your thumb doesn't get tired from pushing that radio button. <laughs> I got a, I got kind of a blessing right now. I, as, as we stated, I got promoted a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I also have um, two probies assigned to my shift. So my theme right now, and I think this kind of ties in with being humble, uh, is I, I tell people all the time, yeah, we got time on the job and you might have 15, 20 years, but time and grade matters too. Uh, so, and what I was telling all of my guys is we're going to figure this thing out together. We're going to learn this oh, together. Yeah. I got new people. I'm new in this position. Uh, we, we have people moving houses right now. It's just a big transition period. So I think it's important to remember, even though on, on my shift, I'm, I'm the, the top of the food chain on the org chart. Um, I I'm, I'm learning this too. And, and like, I, like I tell my guys all the time, we're figuring this out together. We're learning together. Well, my senior guy on my, sh- on my shift, my senior guy, we've been friends for before we were ever in the fire service. 
Um, he joined long before I did. He's older than I am. Um, he has 30 plus years on the job. Uh, he's my senior firefighter. Um, you don't think that I don't bounce, think, bounce yeah. things off of him. I mean, he's been around this place. I mean, I was still in high school when he joined, you know? Um, so yeah, having that. And then my captain's been in the service longer than I, and he, my captain, uh, so my number at Honey Creek is 121. My captain's number is 120. We yeah. ca- he came on the career side. I came on the volunteer side at the same time, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got guys older than me that are, you know, that, that and they have more time on the job. So I try to rely on them a lot, too, um, they, and they do great things. And, and sometimes the younger guys may not understand why a battalion chief would go to a captain or to a senior backstepper because they have some knowledge, some institutional knowledge, some street knowledge that we don't, as a battalion chief, you don't know all the answers. The as a fir- captain, you don't know. The first thing answers. I can tell you is I don't know it all. Oh, I, I, I know a lot of things, I'll, and, I, and I guess that's where I'm not humble. I, I, I do a lot of training. <laughs> I, 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 I consider myself to be pretty good at my job, but I don't know near enough to say that I know everything, and I never will. I mean, I got, I got areas that the, my one, uh, that Scott, my senior guy, goes to. Uh, it's an industrial park. He knows that place inside and out. If I have a question about something industrial park, hey Scott, what is this? And they'll do it and train. They're like, what, what? he he lives there. This is his house. He's been there since the station opened. Yeah, he should know all this. That's why I'm going to ask him. So I mean, to the senior guy, it's so important to have a good senior guy. I know Dale, you have a great senior yeah. guy. You know, yeah. and in him, I mean, he's, you know, you could go to him at any single time that you needed to. So. I guess, you know, maybe that's that's an episode we should do is, uh, you know, how important is a senior man to a crew? Well, and I'll tell you, like, I kind of wanted to bring this up. And John talked about he can be away and he feels good that they're going to get the job done. So, again, I'm riding up right now as the BC and went on vacation. I go on vacation and my senior man's my backstep firefighter. He moves up to the officer seat. I don't worry. I know he will do the right thing. He'll do at least one training a day. He'll make sure the duties get done. He'll make good decisions. He's a smart guy. So I don't even worry about it. And that's a blessing for me. So my senior guy that, uh, um, the the senior person that Michaela, the the senior person that rides up in my spot, she's not an officer. So she's got now her volunteer department. She's a battalion chief. Um, she, when she rides, when I'm on vacation, she rides my spot. My captain is also in charge of our maintenance division and his job is needs to be focused on that. We have a lot of trucks. He keeps them running. So I bring her up and she rides my position and I have no problem with it. Um, if Scott rode up my position, I have no problem with it. I know that they know the job and, um, they can do it. And, and when part of that humbleness is you mentioned, you don't know everything. I'm the same way. I don't know everything. I drive down the street on my day off and I look at buildings and say, okay, what am I going to do if that's on fire and what resources and what are we going to do if a plane hit it right now? So driving into your place today, I'm driving down the road. What is that? 44 out here. Yes. I'm like, there's a tilt up. There's a tilt up. There's a tilt up. There's a tilt up. They need a helicopter to do water drops on these things if they're on fire. I don't want it. Yeah. You know, and and I'm the same way. I'm like, my God, how would we've got a couple of them. How would you even start? Yeah. Yeah. And they got tilt ups and they have eleven people on duty. I have to I have tilt ups, <laughs> I've got nine. Yeah. Oh, and I'm full staffed. Right now we're so, short. I'm I have seven. Yeah. Seven on shift for 
four stations. And we know those are not built for us. Oh, no. <laughs> not at all. No. But um, so I do that, and I try to look at YouTube videos to size up and do all that stuff, and I think I do pretty good, and you know, probably people are tired of hearing about it, but then be first due on a tornado, three-and-a-half-mile-long tornado. Uh, As a battalion chief. Um, <laughs> we did that here in the spring in Sullivan. We weren't first due, but we yes. were. Um, we did. We operated for 13 and a half hours in Sullivan County. Uh, we did one of the recoveries. Uh, we went in and did uh, did some shoring and did one of the recoveries. And um, you want to talk about a humbling experience. Um, that one was in April? Uh, or was that the July one? That was April. That was okay, in so April. That's we, the one that we, hit white. Yeah, we had three fatalities in that area. Um, we were the first heavy. We took our heavy down, and we were the first heavy down there. Um, they had done one rescue out of this house, and then we did a recovery out of it too. Um, so yeah, it was um, it was uh, it was definitely it was very humbling to do that. Um, it was uh, started some wheels turning and some things happening that are happening very fast for my department. <laughs> Um, we waited 13 and a half hours for a structural collapse team, uh, because you guys got hit with the same storm. Uh, Illinois got hit with the same storm. Um, it wasn't a federal disaster. So task force one out of Indy wasn't coming. Um, we Who was at, your team Evansville. We finally got Evansville. Um, I did a handoff to them. Uh, we started operating about midnight and I did a handoff with them. I think it was one thirty, Um, but I honestly was it had to be a terrible handoff. And he's if, if the guys from Evans were listening, I'm sorry. Um, I was uh, emotionally, physically, and mentally wrecked uh, by the time we got done with that. We put our guys in some really bad situations uh, because we were told there was people in these houses and we were going in places we probably shouldn't have been. Um, that's that's the thing we try. I know. and But when you're, <laughs> you're, you're going under a crawl space and you're watching what's left of the floor system move, yeah. Um, knowing that it, the wind's picking up, you know, that next day, how windy did it get? Yeah. The temperature dropped and it got windy. And it was that creepy. Oh, it was so creepy. Yeah. You, you experienced yeah, it. Yeah. It was really, really weird, but we did, uh, um, yeah, that was, I, so yeah, I've been down that road. That's, That's the same storm that hit your parents' house. Yeah. So, so that storm, I was on shift and I looked up at her CAD and I saw my mom and dad's address pop up. <laughs> Not and you want to talk about, yeah, it's not my district. So I went and I woke my guys up. I said, we got to go, <laughs> you know, going to work. And then one of my other, one of my other engines was headed over that way. And I called him and I was like, Matt, that's my mom and dad. He was like, we're two minutes out. I'll let you know. I said, I just need to know regardless. Yeah. But yeah, that next day, that wind, how mm -hmm. creepy was that? It was like that cool air. Yeah. And it was just windy. Sun came out. Sun was shining bright. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was definitely interesting. Well, and, and you know, my department's a structural collapse team operations, so it's, but that's a long distance for us to get down there. Well, and you had your own problems up here. The, the phone call was made to Indy. They had sent teams all the way down here. They were in, yeah. uh, where'd they go? They go to, they went somewhere down in this area. It was Whiteland. It was Whiteland. Yeah. Um, we, you know, they called a team from all the way up north and, I'm not going to mention the team, but the first question they had, who's paying the bills if we come down? Right. 
I can't I can't tell you Sullivan County's got the money to pay you to come down. Uh, we called Evansville. Evansville said we're on our way, but it's going to be a while. Yeah. We've got to get people called in. And so my department actually put in for a grant we should know about by the end of the month. And then our district board put in another. And we're hopefully by next year at this time, we'll be structural collapse operation level. Okay. Um, we're going through. Um, I've got uh, Todd Taylor's group going to come into our training nice. force. And we're going to do the initial group will be 15 guys. Um, we're by, doing trench and structural collapse. Um, I've spent, I came back and was so tired, but the next day I spent trying to figure out how we can do this. Cause it was my question that I had for our district board was this comes to your neighborhood. And I know all of them by first name, <laughs> Joe, this comes to your neighborhood. How, what are we going to do? Mike, this comes, this comes like right up the road here and comes to your neighborhood. You, you and your family want to wait 13 hours for somebody to dig you out of your house. Mm-hmm. No fund us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. fund it. Yeah. I need 150,000 to start fund it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the fire service at a disaster. Yeah, we're, we we're, we're so reactive. We are so yes. reactive. The, the whole service is reactive. That that went way down a rabbit hole from being humble. My goodness. <laughs> <sighs> but you you guys were humble enough to know that you were not at the experience or training level of majority of the people on your department, oh. and that's something needed to be done. Oh yeah, we it was it was bad. It was we, we had guys, you know, we had one of my guys that went down with. I was off duty. I came in off duty to go down. One of my guys was a storm chaser, and we're sitting there, we're walking the next day, and we're exhausted. We've been in houses. We're you know had to pull out the FEMA marking system and try to remember all <laughs> that. We're marking houses and marking cars. Oh, I've got a good way to solve that problem, but um, good way. Remind me, I'll tell you about that. Yeah. But um, we did. Um, He's like, I don't think I want to chase storms anymore. I'm like, I, 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 I could see that, you know. <clears throat> um, I mean, you, you think a humble. Let's look at history. Phoenix Fire Department. I've had some horrible incidents, line oh, yeah. of duty deaths. But what did they do? They, they tested. They researched. They improved. They changed, and not just held on to it shared it well and they made that shared they it. made everything from uh from the from brent tarver right yes. tarver they made everything from that investigation public yeah they did not hold back anything on it to try to make the service safer for everybody I, and you know you, you you there's a i i've never been through we have never at my department knock on wood have had a line of duty death um um I've been involved in a couple of funerals from them and they're terrible yes. and I don't ever want to see anybody have to do that. Um, and it's, uh, but giving that information back out is so huge. So huge. It only makes us better, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're all here to do is we learn something after every single incident, right? And then, like you said, they, they were able to share. That, that was one of the first things I remember coming up in the fire service. In fire one and two class was, uh, what year did that happen? That would have been, I think it was 98. 98, because I, yeah, I went, in, I went into the class in 2000. <laughs> as we go, to, uh, as we go yeah. to our phones. What's the exception, fellas? <laughs> um, I, think, I think it was 98. Because I remember when Tony and I were in class, mm -hmm. you know, that was... That was a main topic that we discussed. 2002. Was it 2002? Day my after goodness. my birthday, 2002. Huh. Uh, one of our lieutenants at White River worked for Peoria, Arizona, Fire Department, and was there. Really? He says they were, but, came in mutual aid. But to have that ability to put that information back out is huge. And it's, you know, I want, um, 
back to the humble side of it. I don't want, I am not humble about my fire department. We're not the best, but I'm damn proud of what we are there. Um, I, I wear my, I, when I go places, I wear my, 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 my hat proudly. I wear my t-shirts proudly. Um, I, 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 I want to, the first thing I tell everybody is we're a small combination apartment. We only do 2,600 calls a year, but we have a lot of fun doing it, and I think we're good at it. Well, and, and if you're not proud of your department, why are you not? Why are you not making the building it up? Why is people, it you? Why is people it? aren't proud of their department a lot of times is what I've seen is they don't – the department is broken. And I don't want to say the department's broken like they don't do their job. The department is broken in how the – administration may run things or how how it's perceived by people um you know a lot of it is is you know i i, we, I, I my guys i'm on b shift i know everybody's like oh it's another b shifter uh, i just uh, yeah, all right so um we we had him going one year um i told him i said hey anytime anybody says b shift you'll best shift yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, the, that may that may not always be the best thing to do. But, um, you know, I'm proud of my shift. I'm proud of my guys. And, and I want them to be proud of our place. And there's times they're proud of us, and there's times we're not. Yeah. You know, it's, it is what it is. In all reality, B-Shift is the middle child. We are the middle child. <laughs> we are the middle child. But you know what? You love the middle child. <laughs> So if we want to move on from humble, the next thing I have down is being a learner. Um, I have never stopped taking classes. Um, I encourage my guys to take class. I try to, you know, we're like a lot of departments in Indiana. We, we're 70 miles from FDIC. You can go to FDIC. <laughs> I provide the pass for you to go. <laughs> and then I have guys bitch because they never get to go to training. Here is the pass. You can go up there. I will give you time off to go, and I can't get them to go. And you can get a lot of free classes at FDIC. So we, you know, we, it, we got in the queue. We we provide a truck for the for, for the hot classes, yeah. um, and we got in that queue, and that works out. I, you know, I, you, a lot of area people up here know how that works. I hand everybody a pass. Go yes. to, go take these classes from Wednesday to Saturday. Take all you want. All I ask when you come back is give me a paragraph of what you learned. Bring it back. And um, I got guys that won't go. Well, that's not my day off. It's my day off. I'm not going right. to go. Are you going to pay me? Um, yeah, no. I mean, and then, but I'll take this other way. A couple of years ago, C-Shift, they had one of their guys, their day off job, he worked for a company that had uh, like a, um, touring coaches. They got a coach and took everybody up together. The whole shift went together. So, I mean, I can't say they're all that way, but it's just, it's, um, you know, it, it, I offer training. Go do it. You know, the state of Indiana offers amazing training. Um, they have bit, you know, they, they have a lot of stuff out there. Go do the training, uh, you know, go, go do what you want to do. Um, you know, my department was a little bit backwards on stuff. We're budget limited, like a lot of people. So there for the longest time, we didn't pay housing. Um, I went to the blue card conference up in when it was at Notre Dame, yeah, I paid I for my, go. I paid, well, we were sitting, we sat in a, a uh, Van Dorp. Yeah. We sat in Van Dorp's class together yeah. up there. Um, but it's. You know, you got to put yourself out there if you want to learn. Um, and there's so many, the world of fire conference, the only fire conference when I started was FDIC or yes. Firehouse World. Or the we Firehouse World then. Or the Indiana Weekends. Yeah, the Indiana Weekends. Yeah. So at Jasper, um, yeah. we helped host one at Terre Haute yeah. uh, once or twice. Uh, Darren Nolfel was huge in that. Uh, I love Darren. He's such a good guy. He was one of my, one of the guys that trained me when I was young. And I talked to him last week about a class. But 
that was all you had. And now there, you cannot open social media without seeing an opportunity to learn. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about first in, I'm going to, I go, uh, I've been involved with that now for three years, four years I've taught at it and now I'm helping Ryan run it. Yeah. And it is, it's 200 last year was $225 for three days, one hot day and two days of lectures. Yeah. And we had like, Scott Thompson was there. Scott Thompson oh just my got gosh. Scott Scott Thompson just, Chief Texas. Thompson just got uh, announced as the uh, keynote for FDIC for opening nice. day, opening ceremonies. That'll be good. Uh, that'll be killer. Uh, I got to listen to him. Um, Devin Craig was down there. You know they he he we're, we're, we're in that area. He brings all those guys up, and it, it's phenomenal. Um, it cost your department two hundred twenty five bucks. I guarantee you, most of the guys here spent more money on stupid stuff than two hundred twenty five dollars. If your department won't pay for it, <laughs> and. I mean, just like uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Chief Miller out there, J- Jim Miller just announced their fire officer seminar again Yep, for next year. Yep. <laughs> I, I, now, the company I work for part-time on 800 Board Up is yeah. sponsoring it, too. Yeah. So I'm going to sneak in there three days. I mean, Absolutely. They're yeah. going to have some good people there, I've heard. And rumor. if you don't have money to spend, look at the podcast that are you guys – um, look at what Corley Moore is doing with the scraps. Yes. Um, I watched this last night and I'm, I'm, I, the one thing I hate, I love Corley and I love the scrap. The one thing it starts at nine o'clock our time. Yes. I'm, yes. I, I'm, I'm getting old and I realized that sleep is a wonderful thing. And I got off work yesterday. I'm like, all right, scraps tonight. And I get on there and I'm like, but that one, I took notes. I took a page and a half of notes during the scrap. And it's great. Like you just said, you, I, you, Dale, you said you open it. Instagram up, Facebook yeah. up. There's always something. Bobby, Bobby Just Ecker is always, always out there putting on a, you know, an online class. I've taken two of his, the building construction ones. Yeah. That's the best class. Yeah. I mean, I, building construction, building construction, I struggle with. <laughs> but when Bobby talks, it makes sense. So I met Bobby the first time in Texas. I was at Round Rock, Texas doing, taking a, a heavy rescue class, a, a truck and bus mass transit class. And they brought the blue collar training network guys brought him in to do a kind of a, a, like a social. And um, he was talking about just company officer stuff. And I sat and just like, you know, I was just odd. Some of the stuff he's talking about, I've heard it before, but it came from somebody else. Yeah. But there is so much opportunity to learn out there. If you're not learning, um, why are you here? Why, why are you in a job? And, and I, we've heard it so many times. You can never know too much about a job that'll kill you. But it's so true. Yes, you know. I mean, look at look at what you learned. How many? When's the last time you read, read a read a, a LODD report? The seventy or ninety, a hundred pages, and didn't learn something from it. Right. I mean, we have part of our drivers training. I make our guys read line right. of duty deaths that involve driving. Well, they 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 never list he trained too much. Exactly. It's never listed in there. And knowing or she and knowing that, um, you know, finding the stuff, finding podcasts, finding things to listen to. Um, finding books to read. Um, I'm a horrible reader. Um, I struggle to read. I was, um, I have dyslexia. So reading for me is, I have to read things multiple times. I'm a better listener than I am reader. That's why I said I listened to the nine L's. Uh, I'm on the second time through it on the way up here. <laughs> yeah. um, and the bonus content that and that is killer. So if you read the book, go ahead and download the audible version of it because the bonus content is Damn near as good as a book. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, Scott Thompson does part of one of the bonuses. Yep. Uh, uh, Kyle Romagus does part of them. I mean, he's got he's got some ki- he's got some big names that help him with that. But doing that and getting that um, 
uh, getting that uh, getting that education out there and, and continuing to learn, um, going to classes, taking classes. Go sit in a firefighter one class. Uh-huh. If you're a company officer and there's a firefighter one class, go go sit and listen. You're, you're going to go. I forgot about that. Yes. You know. I mean, teaching them makes you a better firefighter. Oh, teaching me. And I've got one of my guys is with his volunteer department. He's starting to do a little bit of teaching, and he's asking me questions. He goes, "What?" Um, he goes, "I'm learning stuff as I'm teaching." I'm like, "Why do you think I like to go teach? Yes. I have never done a class where I haven't learned something." So it's you know, be a learner is huge. Um, you know. Do your research. Read. Um, again, I'm a terrible reader, but read. Um, you know, um, I, it takes me a long time to read a book. I just got Frank Loeb's book. Oh, I'm looking at your. I, I'm seeing books here. I'm seeing books there. Um, you know, I would like to say I've read them all cover to cover, but usually it's intermittent. You know, and, and I do. I sit down and I'll read at night. And my problem is when I sit down, I'll be I'll be dozing. Um, and the 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 education site doesn't just involve the fire site. Read about life. Read yes. read what's going to make you better. Um, you know, I don't read just fire related books. Uh, one of the best books on leadership I ever read is called Your Ship. It's uh by it's a basically a, a story on leadership on a guy that took the worst destroyer in the navy, and in twenty months turned it into the best destroyer in the navy that had ninety three percent reenlistment. Yeah, when the average across the navy was twenty percent. Nice. And he did a, he did a whole a whole chapter about active listening and engaging your people. I recommend that book to everybody. It's by uh, uh, David Abershaw, and it's called Your It's Your Ship, and it's um and it's not fire service related. It's about just be almost like being a good person, uh, getting that information out. Um, I've read that one. There's a book by a uh, a uh, professor of education at ISU called uh, Shifting the Monkeys. Oh, I uh, love that. Do you book. love that book? So, do, you, do you know where he's from? He's actually a he's, he's an education and uh, in, uh, for teachers at ISU. Isn't uh, it a simple concept? You know, I learned book. so much about helping managing people. I think I've through shifting to you about the monkey, it. shifting the monkey. It's in my truck. Yeah, dude. That, okay, that I gave that, it that is that that is a great. And everybody thinks, why are you reading a reading a book? It's called Shifting the Monkeys. So you, did you read back. it? And it's an easy read. It's not a hard read. Yep. But yeah, he was actually a professor at ISU. Okay. And uh, he's wrote several books. And that, believe it or not, uh, my uh, uh, my second wife was a, uh, a teacher. And she actually, you need to read this book. I'm like, yeah. okay. I read the book. I'm like, yeah, now I have a copy of it. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's it's a phenomenal book. It's on my recommended reading yes. list. I mean, just how we continually in the fire service and notorious where you take the bad apple Say, I'm going to send them to the good officer. That good officer continually has to get the bad apple, writes the ship, and then turns around and loses that the good people that he he or she trains and gets them turned. It's it's a phenomenal book. But, yeah, never stop learning. And, again, like you said, I learn so much when I go to classes. Um, Down at First End, I keep going back to that because it's fresh in my mind. But just sitting and getting listening to these guys, and you're like, oh, I know that. Um, I think you've had Andy uh, Stairs. Uh, uh, didn't I see one of your episodes? You had Andy Stairs from uh, Thermal. Or M- no, no, that wasn't did. you guys. We have not yet. Um, if you have a hookup, yeah, uh, <laughs> I may. Um, he just retired <laughs> yeah, uh, from Charlotte. Know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I actually tested him yesterday and wish him happy birthday and happy retirement. But you know, his class on um, <laughs> um, on thermal imaging cameras. He did a class about thermal imaging, and I'm like, I have been teaching my guys so wrong. He, he's the guy that I learned. That we're not oh. taking temperature of the convected currents. Yep. 
it's solid surfaces yep. that we're reading the temperature with our ticks. Well, and we're training our guys wrong. If you go in and you go into a training building and you put a hot firefighter in a cold training building, what does that firefighter come out and look like when you're looking into the tick? He's hot. Yeah. If you're in a 200, 300 degree temperature and now you're looking in there, what is he? He's yes. going to be dark. I've been training my guys wrong. And I, and I sat there at that, at, at that class and went, I literally, I can remember me going, hand on forehead. Oh my God, what have I done? And I called him, I pulled him aside after and said, I, I've been teaching my guys wrong. He said, 99% of the guys have. So, I mean, again, I go and learn those things. I hear those things. And, you know, it's uh, but, it's been cool. But think of thermal imaging. Who taught us? The salesmen. Salesmen. The salespeople. Oh, yeah. And then we reacted. Yeah. And now people like Andy Starnes yeah. took, grabbed it, put out great information. Oh, and his stuff, most of his stuff is, is available free of charge. If you go to his uh, YouTube page, most of his class, now it may be broken up in 20 videos, but most of his stuff is there. You can grab that and you could put together a, you know, a, a 10 minute, 20 minute session watching those videos and take the tick out and use it. And you just improved yourself and your guys tenfold. And I'll tell on myself a little bit. Sometimes I go to FDIC and I don't ever make it to the classroom because the interaction in the hallway. Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if I wouldn't have stopped and talked to you in Tara's booth, that flame decon. Yep. So that's a very good point because that day you and I had a conversation for about 30, 45 minutes, yeah. you know, and then Tony and I, that that's the week we brought the show back. Yes. And you that's know? what I asked you. He said, hey, I heard the show's coming back. Yeah. Well, and networking's huge, too. And that networking builds you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be honest. I drove over here, and I had no idea what to expect. Um, I, I thought we might be I, – I thought we might have been sitting around a kitchen table. The bar in the garage is pretty damn cool. Yeah. But I'm building a table for right there. Uh, I got an idea for you, but we'll talk <laughs> later. Um, but it's um, – the networking is so huge in officer development. Yeah. So if you want to develop as an officer, you really need, do you, do you need to be taking the, um, you need to take the classes on stretching. You need to take the classes on throwing ladders because you need to be very, very, very proficient at that. But a lot of times sitting and talking in a group or listening to this and listening to like-minded people who have the same ideas and bouncing ideas off each other is a, a training session that is not formal. Oh. It is not, um, it's nothing that you can script. It's nothing that you can, uh, you can take notes on it, but the notes are going to be different. You set the <laughs> same three dudes down around the same table a week later, this notepad will look completely different. Yep. Yeah. It's invaluable. And that's what's awesome about it. Yeah. I mean, that, that is what's awesome about this is like you just said, next week we could sit down. This conversation's completely different. Well, and when you build networks like that, so we don't have flat roofs. We don't deal with flat roofs. You yeah. know, um, we had a mutual aid call to a neighboring department. We mutual aid with Lot Sure Creek Fire. They had a two-story with a flat roof. I get there. They say, go to the roof. We need to cut some holes. <laughs> okay. So I go to the roof, and I step on this roof. I'm like, I don't like this roof. You know, you ever get on a roof, you're like, I don't like this roof. Every and old Main Street USA That's what roof. this building was. That's what this was. And we get up there, and I get the first hole cut. And I'm walking back to start a second one, and the roof's breathing. <laughs> you could feel it moving under your feet. And I looked at the other four guys, I'm like, parapet now. And we're like standing, like waiting to, if people going down the ladder, I got like a foot over the parapet and a foot here. So I can at least lean this way when it goes in. And I called Jeff Eckert the next night. I'm like, hey, dude, I think I had a really close call on our roof. And he's like, tell me what it was doing. He goes, 
it's not a spongy roof. He goes, that, that, he goes, you not are on those? I said, that's the first flat roof I have ever ventilated other than in training yeah. in 26 years. He goes, we're on those every day. He goes, you made the right call getting off of it. Cause it, you could just feel it. It was, it was breathing in the, you know, this ordinary constructed building, you know, the big thick brick walls. And I'm like, this is going to really suck when I fall all the way down to the first floor when this thing goes in. And we did, we like to the point we we're almost ready to leave Saul's and go. It was, it was, it was, it was going to the edge. And we were, there was, I had some, I had some guys with me had a lot of experience and we were all like, no, we're, we're done. It's, we cut one hole. I got the second one started and we, yeah. and within five minutes it was through there. But it's just, again, that networking, if I hadn't met Jeff through Ron and through Ryan and all those guys, I wouldn't have had that network to call us. Go, Dude, you're on these row houses <clears throat> every shift. What was I, was I on the right track? Cause I don't know. I may never get on another one again. Right. We burnt that one to the ground. Um, so, I mean, I know I'm not getting back on that one. So there, there's two things I, I want to interject on this. One, you're talking about networking. I had an issue riding one day as a battalion. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. So, boom, guess who I call? Frank Viscoso. Mm-hmm. I text him. My phone rings immediately. How can I help you? And it was a 20-minute conversation. And the next 20 minutes, we talked about baseball mm-hmm. and the bees because he, ha- he was dealing with yellow jackets. So, I mean, that's what it's about. Yeah. I had a situation here at work uh, the other day. We're, we're in the process of doing a vote. We vote on the... S- second of November to switch to 48, 96 hour shifts. Ah. Um, and I am, <laughs> we've got guys that are for it. We got guys against it. Our chief is being really good about it. He's saying it's what the shift people want. He's not voting. The, the, the assistant chief's not voting. Um, but, um, we've been putting out information yep. and I, we had a guy that says, well, it doesn't matter what you're, it's going to happen, whether we vote for it or not. And I said, what do you say that? He says, well, you're bombarding with, uh, with information. You know, it's going to pass. I went, we're giving you the information you need so you can make an educated decision with your family. I said, if we were withholding information, you'd be madder than hell at us. And we're trying to secret squirrel this stuff through. And I called, I, I texted Ryan. He goes, I've got a question for you. <laughs> and Ryan McCormick. And we, like I said, we talk a lot and he called, he's like, I'm in a meeting. Give me 20 minutes, 20 minutes on the dot. My phone rings. He goes, what's up? We talked for almost an hour. And it was the same thing. The first 30 minutes was, this is what I think you need to do. Just let them blow off, you know, because I was mad. I, you know, I, I was a little passionate and I, I was, I was pissed. And I'm like, it, damned if I do, damned if I don't. But, you know, having that network of somebody that's not from here, yep. that's not from my department. He, the only guy he knows at Honey Creek Fire is me. Yeah. It's kind of nice to be able to make that phone call. And I wouldn't know that without networking. And again, I learned from those things. And that's, that's why I'm big on learning. Um, a training guy. I've been doing training for, been the training chief since 2015. As a lieutenant, I was a training chief. I mean, yeah. it's what I do. I mean, I go to classes. I go to these, do these things. So, so the other point, point is uh, you talked about ventilation. And I've had this thought in my head for a little while. And sometimes I get thoughts just bouncing around and never go anywhere. When we talk about roof ventilation, I feel like we do our students in, in a disservice. And this is what I'm getting at. Listen, what I got to say. I already know you, where you're going. You have a training prop, event prop. What do we do? We got a four by four hole already designated for them to cut. So 
they don't have to think. We want thinking firefighters, but they don't have to think. They know where they're going. They know where they're putting the ladder. They know where they're going to cut that hole. And then they get on a fire and we yell at them because they, they don't, they hesitate. You're exactly right. And why do we, why did we start cutting four by four holes in training? Because you can cut half a sheet. You get two cuts out of one sheet of plywood. Yep. That's why we started cutting four by four holes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, and even the props, remember when the state was putting the trailers out? Yes. Those props for a four-by-four four hole, and then we were cutting those in half so we could get two students to cut yes. on them. So, and we're putting a couple screws in, I, and it bounces. There's no shingles on it. I, to, I knew exactly where you were going when you said this. So That's when, why I like you. When, when, we're, <laughs> when we're ventilating, what changes do you need to see on a roof if you're cutting a roof? What do you need to see other than when you cut that first hole and you see the smoke come out, what do you need to see happening the rest of the way around that roof? I mean, you got to see how the smoke conditions changing underneath. You've got to see a pressure change. If you cut a four by four hole and you still got smoke pressurized coming out of the vents, coming out of the eaves, (laughs) cut a bigger hole. We're teaching our guys now. And I did this with my whole job. Our our new training building that we got, uh, we haven't shingled any of it. So we start cutting and we cut big holes. Um, the first hole you cut is a four by eight hole. I don't care. I don't care about your roof. Um, the last fire that we had, they cut a roof on. My guys went up and cut a roof on. He cut a four by eight hole. You know what? They patched it just the same as if it was a four by four hole. Uh huh. I can drive by and I can drive by and see it. They, where they the shingles are different, but the the pressure change. You've got to watch for that pressure change. If you cut a four by eight hole and you don't have a pressure change, that needs to become an eight by eight hole. Yeah. You know, that pressure changes when the smoke that's coming out from the, from the uh, gutter line or coming out from the, uh, the peak vents or coming out of the gables. When that changes and it's all coming out your hole, you have the proper size hole. Yes. I didn't know. You know when I learned that? About five years ago, and it was by watching a video Chris <laughs> Kelly from Houston Fire, who I teach with at Task Force One, put up of a job they did down in Houston. Talk about guys that cut roofs. Every shift. Yeah. Every shift. And Is he, it the... Is it the one that uh, it was a single story? Single story. They went around. The, Look, they went over the top with a good ba- painting job. Yes, yes. <laughs> they, they went around the backside. Of, they, they cut it. They went up. They went to the backside of the roof. They cut the first hole, and he's like, "Make it bigger." And they cut it down, and then every you can't see anything. You where can't they're see them. You can't see them. And then they get that second. They made it an eight by eight hole, and it just they walk off through. They could take their mask off and walk off the roof. And what you could see is. Through the smoke coming out of the eaves and the gables and everything under pressure, it was more of a lazy pressure. Yep. yep. But the only thing you saw, you couldn't see firefighters up there, but all of a sudden you saw this column of smoke under pressure going straight up. And all of a sudden you could see the eaves. You could see everything. So we don't have designated jobs at Honey Creek. We, we, I mean, when I was still riding company, if, if it was a call that if you're on an engine, you rode an engine and you may get there and you may do truck work. Um, we don't have a dedicated truck company. Um, but I always lean towards truck company work. Um, I like venting. I like forcing holes. Um, I'm not a hose monkey. I don't, I don't like fire hose. I don't train well. I don't, it's heavy. It's hard to move around. I, I'd rather just do schedules all day. That that's what I do now. (laughs) I schedule training and, um, but no, that's, I am a, um, I, I like the truck work side of it and I find it fascinating, but I knew exactly when you said ventilation, I knew where you were going before you <laughs> ever funny. opened your mouth. And we've I, never I even, talked about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I wrote down four by eight. When you said that, yeah. I wrote four by eight hole. And we've never had nope, this conversation. It's, but it's, it's, it's a training scar that we've created in the fire service because well, my training budget says I have to, Yep. my training budget says I've got 16 guys and I have eight sheets of plywood. Everybody has to cut a hole. 
when when I was in the training spot, you could buy a four by eight sheet of OSB, half inch, for like five bucks. Yeah. Buy it now. Eighteen dollars yeah. a sheet. Eighteen dollars a sheet. So I got lucky. Again, this is where my networking comes in. Uh, my friend Ryan McCormick, um, he set up a um oh, thank you. Uh, he set up a um, got a deal through a uh, company in somewhere in Arkansas that makes this stuff, and I got a I got a semi load of uh, OSB that wasn't fit to be sold for the price of shipping it to Indiana. Yeah. Uh, when I say a semi load, there were eighteen bunks of plywood of OSB. Some of it's all like ratty on the edge; it's been sitting out in the rain. But guess what? Makes great training props. We can't sell it. We have to use it for fire training. Terre Haute took some. I get everybody in Vigo County that wanted some ended up with it. And what I did was I took the 18 bucks. It cost me $1,800 to get it shipped there. I divided it up. They paid for the shipping is all they paid for. But, I mean, that's, again, again, net. we talk about networking and, and being involved. I got that because we were cutting. Uh, we cut two semi-loads of that when we did those 12 days <laughs> in Arkansas. They cut two semi-loads of plywood. So, I mean. That's a lot. Uh, dude, I was so tired of hearing chainsaws run because we were working underneath of them and literally you'd take and like get the flakes out of your coat when you're done. But yeah, it, that's a training scar that we taught people. That that's how we train them. Yeah. And, and we wonder why we get mad. I get mad as a boss. They go up and they cut up this little bitty hole. I'm like, cut it bigger. What do you mean? Make it bigger. Yeah. You know, cut, double that, triple that. Now go over there and do another one. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, again, if a house is on fire, what do they do with most houses? Most residential houses that burn, what do they do with it? Do they fix them? If it's more than a room and contents job. Well, they get stripped out. They get, get stripped out or they get bulldozed. Yeah. Worse than that, take a modular. You know what they do with a modular that's had a room and contents fire? Oh, it's done. They unbolt it. They take it away, and they set a new one right on top of the foundation. Cut the holes. Make them big. Yeah. So, but yeah, tra those training scars. There's a lot of training scars we have. Um, look at breaking padlocks for forcible entry. <laughs> Have, honestly, when you were in fire school, did you ever actually break a padlock? No. No. You know, one part of my budget is I go every year and I buy padlocks. Uh -huh. So, and I've got a place in my training building that we lock them in place, throw the keys away, and they have to break the locks. I got a guy who'll build those for your reusable. You know, I, I, I know, <laughs> and I've seen those. They're okay. It, it, it's okay to go down and buy, you know, what I'm going to spend $150 on locks. That's really not that much money. Right. You know, I'm not now I'm not buying the master locks that are this big, yes. you know, the, the, the huge ones that you could the like kill somebody. Yeah, you know, we're buying master locks. So and we're letting them break them. Yeah. You know, so it's but you, you got to get past those training scars. Whenever uh, we would get acquired structures or something, I would take all the doorknobs out in the strikes so that we yep. could have them for training. Oh, later. yeah. Doorknobs. I've, I've salvaged windows so we could pry windows open, you know, and that's, you know, when's the last have you ever taught your guys to actually pry a double hung window open? That window right there with a the halogen bar, the screws that hold those yes. locks in are about three-eighths inch long. Yeah. Wood screws. You don't have to break a single piece of glass. You just put your, put, put your, uh, put your, uh, uh, your forks underneath there and go down a yep. little bit, and it pops them right up. And you don't do any damage. Uh, so, you know, it's, those are the training scars we got to fix. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love that, that I knew exactly where you were going <laughs> as soon as you started talking. That made my day. Funny. Two old timers. I know. <laughs> no, it's just we've trained in this system in Indiana for, yeah. well, so I was one of the original ones that started District 7. I yeah. mean, that started when I was at Newport, and Darren was the one that was in charge of it, and we were all working for him. Yeah. And so we were all in it, you know? I mean, we did all the live fire stuff. It's, oh. That's awesome. 
I guess we can go to number four. The next one I've got, (laughs) and this one's a little different, and I don't know where you're going to go with this, is patience. Being a patient person. like EMS runs? No. I mean, like, um, annoying conversations at dinner that you don't want to be involved in. Um, Having the patience to let these guys kind of have their – have their freedom. Having patience on the fire ground. Letting a situation develop. So you're on a fire, and you, you, you know, what's the first thing the chief does? He gets to say, give me an update. I heard it on the way here. <laughs> give me an update. He pulls up. These guys have been in Walmart. You know how big Walmarts yes. are. They've been in Walmart for three minutes. Hey, can you give me an update? I'm out of breath. I'm still walking <laughs> back to the problem area. Having the patience to just go, <sighs> give them a minute. So we have, we just had a pretty, we had a double entrapment. Oh, that's my game. Two shifts, two, two, three shifts ago. And our battalion chief is, he's been a battalion for uh, about a month and a half. And he, I mean, he talked to us after and he said, I didn't keep asking you guys for updates. I let you guys do your thing, but you know, it was killing him. He was oh. like, oh, give me an update. What, what are we doing here? Especially if you're doing your job and letting your guys work. It's hard. Um, that's been my hardest thing from when I promoted up and came from a company officer to a chief. I'm a hands-on guy. I want to be in there. Do, I want to be doing it. And to step back and let my let, let my crews do their job, it's so damn hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I try not to be. So what I've done on my computer is I have a, a stopwatch app. If I'm actually in my car, I'll hit the button. The, I'll, I'll mark on scene. I'll hit the button. And I'll wait four to five minutes before I say anything. Mm-hmm. Let this situation about let these guys do their job. If I'm instantly, if they're trying to pull hose and advance down a hallway and I'm calling for them on the radio and they're busy and they're not answering, then what do you do? You start losing your brain. Oh my God, are they hurt? Are they down? Is anybody here pass alarms going off? Let these guys do their job. You, you, we've trained them, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether wherever they've been, they've been trained. Let them do their job. Let them develop the situation. Um, I read a book that was, actually, I can't say I read, I listened to a book. Um, that was, uh, yeah, I'm right. Dude, I have like 57 books on my phone. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a book that was, it was by a Navy SEAL and he was talking about how they let situations develop. They're going to stop and take that, you know, even in a gunfight, they're going to take that 30 to 45 seconds to see what's happening before they react. Especially when they have the tactical advantage, when they can, when they can see at night and the other people can't let it develop. You know, they, he talks about they went on a mission and they were ready to start lighting people up and they waited that 30 to 45 seconds and realized the people that they were going to light up were women. And so, and and that kind of drove it home for the fire service. And it we're looking at minutes. You let them develop. Um, I love extrication. That is my thing. That's what I love to teach. That's what I love to do. The One of the pin-in jobs we had last year, um, I got out of the truck, my buggy. Um, I didn't put on my rescue gear. I put on my, arm, my, my my safety vest, and I started at the car with my arms held across my chest. And then I took a step forward and took four back. By the time it was done, I was standing in the median of 41. They were 45, 50 <laughs> feet away from me. And they looked back over the shoulder, and my senior guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I had to walk away. Yeah. I, 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 had, to, I had to remove myself and put myself back away because I'm like, you, I, you can do. And I had to, and I let them develop it. Is that something that gets easier no. as you've done this, or, or does it get harder? No, it does not get easier. It doesn't get easier for me because I get new guys all the time. I have had, since 2015, I've had 20 different people on a shift 
of, of, of nine because we get guys that leave. I just lost the last round at Winston Terre Haute. I lost two guys, both awesome dudes. One of them is dating my daughter, but that's a whole nother. We already talked about that, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I lost two very, very good guys. And so I have constant movement on my shift and I have my old guys that take care of it. And then, but I have to trust that they can do it. And no, it does not get easier. It's so freaking hard to stay hands off. I'm, um, I absolutely love when I'm marking route to a fire and I hear one of the other chiefs marking route. I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting out and I'm putting on my air pack. I'm going to work. Um, you know, um, or we do a lot of, we run our writ with mutual aid. Uh, so when it comes to fire, so sure Creek has a fire. We're taking my buggy goes, we have a fast board on it. Uh, we have a writ pack on it and we go and we're writ. Um, uh, well, writ gets, moved into fire attack real quick when you're light staffed. Yeah. Uh, the next, co- next company is going to do RIT. I, I love, I love going to other, other departments to going on mutual aid calls. Cause I don't have to be a chief. Uh-huh. I, you know, I mean, I'm going to work. yeah, yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. And I, um, so yeah, it's, 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 it is, it doesn't get easy, but having that patience to allow your, allow your guys to work. It's really hard to be patient. Um, we're not patient people. We're, we're problem solvers. Firefighters are, we got a problem. We're, you know, we're out the door in 45, 50 seconds. We're down the road. We're, we're, we're driving through stoplights. We're in a hurry to get there. There's no patience to that. And then getting there and going, oh, I have to be patient. I have to <laughs> allow them to struggle yes. a little bit yeah. to, to, to force the yeah. door. And, and it, yeah. But you're, you're right. Yeah. What, what do we do in our job that's patient? When we fix... Show me a fireman that eats slow. Is he patient when he's eating? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm fat dude. I'm a big guy. Um, my mom, when I was, my mom's favorite saying when we were kids, she'd look at Joe, she's my, which is my dad, you're not going to fire. Yeah. It's just habit. I like a warm meal. Yeah. My girlfriend, my, I, my girlfriend just retired, uh, from the air force and we go out to dinner. And she's like, why, uh, why, how are you done eating? I'm sitting there going, what's next? Cause I have no patience. 29 year Late years later, my wife still asks me, "Man, am I eating too slow?" Oh. <laughs> it's like no. My, my girl, my girlfriend is an absolute saint for some of the stuff that she's she's she, she. We went on a cruise this last year, and we're eating at this you know what would be a five star restaurant anywhere else, and we're sitting there eating, and I'm done with my steak, and she's like, well, "I've got like three bites in. Don't get in a hurry." <laughs> you know, so it's you know, but we're not patient people, and we don't deal well with that. But having that ability to stop. And even when you're having those conversations, when you're having a um, difficult conversation with an employee, you have a, a disciplinary issue. Have being patient and letting them talk there, talk it out. Yeah. You ever heard of the uh, the inquisitive pause when you're having a conversation with somebody? Try this with your kids. You, you know the answer normally when you're having these conversations. You ask them a question and they answer it. Just kind of sit there and look at them for a second. <laughs> Sweat starts coming. No, down. they start talking. Oh yeah. They immediately and nine times out of ten, you get the answer you want after that first inquisitive pause. Huh. <laughs> I guess. I'm right. That. So I got my son with this one day. I looked at him and I said, Hey bud, I said, How was school today? He was like, Uh, it was good. I, I was just asking him, you know. I said, What happened? You want to tell me about it? And he was like <laughs> I got in trouble because I couldn't stop talking. And I said, really? I didn't know. I was just asking how your day was, <laughs> you know? But, but that's it's spot the inquisitive on. Pause, you know? And I have very few discipline problems on my shift. My, my guys can come in. They do their jobs. I tell them all, again, in those expectations, I expect you to be an adult. Yeah. If you make a mess, clean it up. 
you piss on the toilet, wipe it off. Yeah. You know, do it's those things. It's not hard. It's not hard being an adult. That's all I expect from you. And, and lay that out early. I don't have to have the conversations. But when I do have the conversations, I just, being patient, letting that situation develop, I found out all the information I needed and didn't have to say a word. So, so Ryan, what I took from that conversation with your kid is you recognized the way you looked at your parents when you oh, came yes. back from school. Yes. <laughs> so, that, that brought, it made me think of a question I was going to ask you earlier is you were the black helmet forever sticker guy. Oh yeah. Didn't want to promote were, was the guy that questioned when things needed to be questioned things, um, maybe called people out. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll call a spade a spade right in front of everybody. And if you, you, you do something dumb, I will tell you about it. And if you don't like it, that's not my problem. When, how long did it take you to go when you became battalion chief or an officer, somebody walked in and you're like, shit, that's who I was. <laughs> um, I, I, I have this happen and, 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 and that, that's, Unbelievable. And I sit there and I go, hmm. no wonder I had people that did not like me. And, and, and I know there's people that, don't, that, that didn't like me, and I'm okay with that because my job is not to be liked by everybody. But at, at a young age, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Because I was the, the pipe hitter. I was the one that wanted to go to classes and I wanted to learn things. And I was a guy that would come back full of piss and vinegar. We have got to change this. So two things. You look at that guy and go, "You son of a bitch." Um, that was me. <laughs> no, I, I don't in a formal in a formal meeting. I'll, I'll let it fall out, and then I'll pull him aside. I'm like, "I'm going to give you a little bit of advice." This is this isn't formal. That this is not this has gone from firefighter Smith and Chief Shackford <laughs> right. talking to John and Bill talking at this point. You might want to throttle back a little bit. And they say, why? I said, because if you want to look at, back at my career and some of the things that I've done, you're me. Chief, right you're now. doing great, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I went from a time where I was, there was, I was, when I came back to Honey Creek, there was people that didn't want me hired back in. Right. Because I was the opinionated one. I was the one that was not afraid to stir the pot. Um, and, um, yeah, I had that, that was something I really had to overcome. And yes, I look at these guys now and went, God, what an asshole I was. <laughs> and if I would have done this a little different, how could things worked out that different for me? Um, do, would I change anything that I've done? Probably not. Um, I do not live with regret. Um, I have been through some stuff that, that in my personal life that I have no regrets on anything that I ever done. I will not live in regret. Things happen. Uh, but you can always make yourself better. But yeah, I look at these dude guys. I'm like, God, I was so stupid. <laughs> it's okay though. But yeah, no, I will never do that formally. I will pull them aside after that and we'll say, Hey, we need to have a talk. Let's go walk behind the shed. <laughs> no, no, wait, so let's take a walk to the training area. Cause the training area is right next to my main station. So let's walk around over here. Let's go have a t discussion or I'll do it away from the firehouse. I'll do it another time in a social setting. I'm like, Hey, you know what? You know, and it's my, my shit's really good. Like I said, this was normally other people that I'm dealing with. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I look back and go, God. Great question. And I have apologized. <laughs> our, one of our former chiefs, you might know him. He worked for uh, Who's Your Fire up here. He ran the shop. Uh, Mike Gummery. Yes. So Mike was my yes. first fire chief. Okay. And he moved back to Terre Haute after he retired. And he is actually on our board of directors now. 
And I looked about a month ago, I looked at him and said, you know what? I've never told you this, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I, this is this is an actual conversation. She said, I'm absolutely sorry for all the hell that I did for you when you were my fire chief and I was that that green fireman that thought I that thought I had the world by the tail. And he just laughed and kept right on walking. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I hope someday, you know, in 20 years, I'll have that conversation with somebody too, because it was kind of cool, you know, but yeah, it's, but yeah, that patience is big. Uh, having patience to, you know, let situations develop, let your crews do their job. Um, and you're right. I fight it every day, every day. And do you have a guy like that? That was you. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, do you have a guy that oh, was well, like I, you. <laughs> I heard the question on my shift now. No, I don't. Most of my guys are, but I have the oldest, the oldest shift there. Um, most of my guys are, are very, very solid. Um, I had a guy on a former shift that was, and, and uh, we, we've had conversations. He's a, uh, uh, he, he is, he's a, he wants to be the best. Um, and he's a good kid. And we've had that conversation now. And it's funny that we, I, I talked to him. He's left the job again. He moved to another department in Indiana. He moved up, moved on, better place, better money. And um, I saw him at first in. And I said, uh, I, we had that even conversation there because he asked me a question uh, about coming back from the conferences, you know, full of new ideas. And then everybody's shooting you down. And I'm like, trust me, kid. I know. <laughs> I get it. You know, yeah. so, but it's, it's okay. So... So the last one that I had, if you're good with patience. Um, yeah, we were wanting you to get to the next one because we're being impatient. That's fine. <laughs> we're firemen. I get it. Is, and I don't know how this lines up. It's being able to back your crews and your company. Um, the, and it comes back to we're going to tie this back into expectations and things like that. Letting your companies have some autonomy, letting them do their jobs. Uh, but then backing them when it comes to it, it comes to the time, as long as you're backing them for the right reasons. Um, you know, your crews do something and it gets questioned. Um, backing them on on what they did. Um, we had a situation here um, in July. It was my day off. Um, we get a call for smells and bells. Smell of smoke in a structure. Eight unit apartment complex. For one, one story, eight units. Um, we go to this apartment that called for it. Smoke, odor, we can't find it. We had a little tinge of something, but you couldn't find it. Spent 45 minutes there looking around. They go complete. I was I was awake at home, so I went over for it because it came in as a structure fire. I get home and get back in bed. We get toned out an hour and 47 minutes later for a working fire in the same complex. Mm. So if you look at the complex, it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're in apartment two, and the working fire was in apartment seven. Ah. Uh. Um, I pull up, I'm off duty again. I didn't have my gear with me. I typically go and run the pumps, do stuff like that. Just support work. Uh, I go up to the door cause I had to walk past it and I open the door, hauled in. Is anybody in there? And you know, they say that voice you're going to hear from the back bedroom. That's real faint. I'm in the bedroom. Oh shit. <laughs> Turned it into entrapment fire. Yeah. Uh, we went in, uh, the first company got there. I said, Hey, he was, he was laying a line. Uh, I marked it a working fire. He laid the line. He was pulling the, pulling the inch and three quarter up. I said, drop the line back bedroom. Go. Um, went in, got the grab, um, got him out quick job, knocked fire down one room, uh, cut a real nice big vent hole again. Uh, <laughs> everything, everything, it was, it, it was great. Um, we started getting questioned about the first call. 
So after the investigation, after figuring some of that, we're thinking that the the victim had had a fire and thought he had it put out. Put out. Smell went away. Fire wasn't all the way out. We went back. So this wasn't my company. This wasn't my shift. Uh, but I backed these guys to the hilt because I was there. I was in the apartment with the odor uh-huh. because they went through and they went through everybody else. Hey, chief, come take a smell of this. Tell me what you think. I mean, we're checking uh, cell phone blocks, you know, we're checking uh, light fixtures for uh, uh, incandescent ball, or bulbs, fluorescent bulbs, fluorescent bulbs. We're che- I mean, we're doing, we're in the attic space. We're actually up in the attic space. Nothing. And then we go back and it, and, it, and unfortunately, 60 days later, it turned into a fatal fire. Uh, the guy died 60 days later. Uh, but these guys were absolutely beating themselves up for it. I'm mm-hmm. like, cause we, and we made some learning experience out of it. What could we have done different? Um, that first in all, our first in chief probably should have took a tick when he did his 360. That's something that we've never, we, we do 360s when we're doing live fire. We make the guys get off the truck, do a 360. We open the door. Hey, this is where your fire is. We shut the door. So we make, but we never had him take a tick. Yeah. We never made him find him there. Would they have found the fire? I don't know. We don't know. Um, but you know, the, 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 there were some hoarding conditions in the, in the, in the room that, in the, in the, uh, apartment fire and the fire apartment. So there was a lot of variables and we had some people that were armchair chief in these guys. Oh, of course. And I went to bat for him. Like, look, were you there? No, shut up. Stop. I mean, in a chief's meeting, I'm like, stop. These guys are tore up already. I mean, they made it. This dude was holding his cell phone when they're dragging him out, talking to us. And they did, you know, we had a guy, they started out and the fire started growing over the top of them. And the second guy grabbed the line and put the fire out. And the one, the, the one, one guy laid across the top of this dude, knocked the fire out and brought him out the rest of the way out. I mean, they did everything right. Both young guys. The one guy's can't even buy a beer yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 20 year old kid. How long, how many years you've been on the job? How many grabs you made? Uh, two. Yeah. This kid's 20 years old. Already got a grab, and they were beating him up over it. They were beating him up because they didn't find it the first time. And I went to bat for the guys. I'm like, no, you cannot. Yes, is there things we can learn? 100%. But you cannot beat these guys up. Right. So you've got you've to you've take, take care of the guys. And, you know, back in your crew, whether you're crew or not, if you're on a day, if, if you're on an overtime shift, you're, on, you're, you're doing a trade day, back your guys. Mm-hmm. If they're doing the right thing, you've got to back them for the right reasons. And I know that's not the normal list that you hear, you know, people say, you know, because I was listening to other people's stuff and trying to decide what I want to say. This is a different list because integrity, yeah, yeah, integrity and honor and yeah, no, there, there's so much more to it. And that's a very, if you ask somebody what five leadership skills are, if you get the same answer, I'm going to say that somebody that, 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 that listens to a lot of stuff and reads a lot of stuff and they need to probably think a little deeper. Right. You know, that, uh, that's my opinion. When they had me on and I gave my five, you guys were like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it wasn't the integrity, professionalism. Yeah. You know, everything you see on everybody's core values. Yeah. Was- it, it, core value statements. Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? Our core value is we need to be there when people need us to be there. Um, and I am not a uniform guy. I know I've seen videos, especially, you know, your shoes are, as a recruit, your shoes have stuff. I'm a 25 year guy. I saw that same yes. video. And, and, and I my think, seams. and I think that's a really good, good thing in, in little bits, but 
our job is so much more than seams on your shirt or polish on your shoes or ribbons on your chest. Yes. Our job is about people. And when you tell people, and our job's about customer service. When you think of customer service jobs, does the fire, fire department come up in that anywhere at Buddy's brain? Our customers, they're paying taxes. They're paying our wages. They're buying our fire trucks. They're buying our fire gear. What's their return on their investment? They want us to be there when they need us. They want us to not bitch when we're there, and they want us to do a good job. And they want us to take care of the stuff that they bought. That's right. They're letting us use. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I've got a training truck. I got When we built my training center, um, we were getting we, we, we upgraded apparatus, and I have a 2002 KME that is my training truck. Uh-huh. Name a place that does 2,600 calls that has a training truck. Right. I'm blessed. I mean, and that's because we have a good district board that takes care of us. We work for a fire protection district. They take care of us. They want us to do the right thing. But the return on that investment is being providing the people and the right training and the right equipment to do the job. Well, and it comes down to, we've, we've talked about this. We've done at launch. We've done on the podcast. We're a blue collar job. We're a blue collar profession. Um, you know, we are. Uh, and I think that some people have a um, different opinion of what blue collar is. Um, one of the best firemen I ever knew was an insurance salesman. Uh, he's retired now, but he, one of the best people I ever know. Uh, he's retired from the fire department, but he sold insurance. He was not a blue collar person. Right. Uh, he wore, he, he would wear, and he was around when my dad was around, but he would wear, you know, five, $600 suits under his bunker gear. Uh huh. You know, now was he doing a blue collar job? Yes. We take so much more than just blue collar because you think about when, 25 years ago, 26 years, you started as, when I started as a volunteer, I was in recruit class with a guy that was in law school, a guy that owned a business, and I was a welder. I had the only blue collar job out of my recruit yep. class. I was a welder. I, I, I welded stuff. Um, so I think that the fire service is, yes, for the most part, blue collar, but we intake, take so much more into it. And I think everybody focuses on the blue collar side of it, but realize it's a business also. And you have to have a business model that matches what you're doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, you, you know, if, you're, if your business model is helping people, you got to make sure you're equipping blue collar or white collar to be able to do that. So, so one of the guys, I think he's next week, the 25th, mm-hmm. um, our next podcast, um, Kevin Martledge. He's from Illinois. Mm-hmm. He's over your way. Where's he at? Um, you had to ask. Um, He's just on the other side of the line, though. Not that far. Uh, but he has, it's called Next Tier okay. um, Consulting. He's been doing our executive leadership mm-hmm. for our officers yep. um, at my department. And uh, we're having him come on because we need that other side of it. Yep. We need to get, because he does stuff for Lilies. Yeah. And... Uh, it's going to be good. He's, he's got some great information. Obviously, um, I'm only going to want him to talk about what he feels comfortable because some of it's copyrighted. And oh, yeah, stuff and absolutely. He, it's his business. So by um, he's, I think, just a little bit younger than me, but it's turned into a friendship. too. Yeah. So well, I, I can text him, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? 
And uh, he was so happy to be all coming. He was going to drive over, and I said, "No, we'll just phone in." It's a. It was an hour and thirty minutes for me to drive here today. Yeah. It's not that. I mean, we went to my kids and I went to uh, uh, Cincinnati the other day just to go to Jungle Gym. So I mean, it's, <laughs> it, this. Oh. I, I just drive just because. <laughs> I mean, I, I drive every day. I'm I, off. So I drove to Terre Haute like last month because I left my wallet in one of the buggies, <laughs> and the guys were taking it to Wichita to the uh, into the. Into the job, into the job. yeah. So they they had lunch in Terre Haute, so I could drive out there and get my wallet. That comes with old age. You should have called me. I went and picked it up. Then you could have come on your thing. I I, I live in Terre Haute and again. I, you should have made that call. And then I could have just went and hung out with you. And, and then I then you could have got a credit card bill a month later that would have had a lot of cool stuff on it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> things happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's you know it's there, there's a lot to it, and, and I think that um, I think that it comes back to not everybody's made for this job. Uh, we've oh, had yeah. we we've had a run here recently. We've had guys that wanted to be a career fireman. Um, we had one guy that made it seven and a half hours in his first shift, working days. <laughs> he came in. Uh, he wanted he wanted to do this job. We hired him. I thought we gotta have something good with this kid. And um, about fifteen minutes for his time to go home, he's like, uh, "This isn't for me." I went. I hate that, but I appreciate you not yes. me, me yes. not spending seven to eight weeks to get you trained up to where you can go on shift, and then spending two or three thousand dollars to go to EMT school. And I appreciate that. Have a good day. Yeah, you know. But it's man, it's this job is something that I didn't know I wanted to do it. <laughs> I didn't either. I, I didn't know I wanted to do it. I didn't know that you know twenty six years ago that I'd be sitting with you guys doing this. Um, <laughs> What was a podcast? Yeah, did, was, iPods didn't even exist back then. You know what I mean? So I mean, th- this th- this didn't happen. Like I said, the training you got was what you did locally. Yeah, the Indiana Fire Schools because that was before the training districts. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my firefighter one at Sugar Creek Fire, and it was the first iteration after the masters went away. Yes. So I was in the first round of firefighter one and two, and now we're on seven or eight for yeah, the book whatever it is. for the junk books. Yeah, I say that out loud. Oh. Did I say what? that out loud? The, the cartoons? The cartoons, yeah. I didn't say that yeah. out loud. Man, I'm bad. <laughs> but I'm honest. it takes forever for a yeah. new edition to come yeah. out, and a lot of that information's old. Yep. I, I and, um, uh, yeah. Because so, uh, we did, because we went, we, I was IFSTA 1. IFSTA Volume 1 was what I used? Maybe Volume 2. Yeah. I used 1 when I took first, second class. So I was, IFSTA, <laughs> I was IFSTA Volume 2. Was that the one that was chiseled out? It was Moses had it in the stones. <laughs> Moses came down with Actually, the Ten Commandments and the extra tablets for the what Dale used for fire school. Well, I think I was actually the second edition here. But, but you know, it was it was different then. You know, uh, when I started on my job, we didn't get on roofs. Yeah, because that was right when the you know the the whole deal with uh, trusses, you know, trust roofs, you're going to kill you. You get on that roof, Never it's going to kill you. Trust exactly. And we didn't for the longest time for my first six seven years, we didn't have a chainsaw with gas on it on the truck. You had to put gas on it in it because it set so much <laughs> it that it wouldn't run. So we didn't even keep gas in the chainsaw. I mean, it, it, how things change. So we cut almost every roof now. I, I'm not digging at anybody here or any system, or any organization. But when I was in the state of Maine, I didn't get my fire. They were fire one and two in mm-hmm. the 80s. They, so um, 
I didn't get mine when I was up there because you had to go away for three weeks. Yeah. You went to a state-sponsored fire academy that they had five sites around the state, and, and they actually provided money to build train. So what we are doing now, the hub and spoke, is what Maine did in the 80s. That And, <laughs> and honestly, for the smaller departments, that scares me um, because the, for the volunteer services, how can you tell a f- guy that farms – that, hey, the classes are going to be starting in September and end in Oct- mid-October. Oh, by the way, you have to be here five days a week. How right. are you going? How is that guy going to say, you know what? My crops can rot in the field so I can go go do a hobby. Right. Um, same thing for career guys because right now we uh, when we hire our career guys, we send them down to Pelham for an EMT course. Yeah. That's all immersive. They're there 17 days. Yeah. How do, I, how do you tell a guy that, well, this is your job. We're going to pay you the overtime when you're there. They make some killer cash as new guys being there. But you're going to be gone for two weeks, three weeks to go do this class. It's hard. Now, we can tell them because it's their career. You do it. This is your job requirement. And we tell them about it from the get-go. You're going to go to this class. Um, But, you know, take a volunteer that needs to go do that. I was 18, 19, 20 years old and couldn't do it. I couldn't go away for three weeks. What is the hardest group of firemen to train in the volunteer service? All of them. Well, so <laughs> the age, I'm looking at the age groups. The guys that are 16 to 24, mm-hmm. all about it, want to train. Yeah. They get married. They have families. Mid-40s to early 50s, they're ready to come back because their, fa- their children are grown yeah. and their life has changed and slowed down where they can be involved. Yeah. I mean, I mean I that, that's, to, that's, that's, that's facts. I can go to conferences now because... Yep. My I, oldest one's a senior in high school. I, I can, can go I can it. go, I can leave and go to go teach for for Ron, or I can go to um, FDIC for a week, or I can go to um, go down to Little Rock, and because my kids are old enough now. When my kids were little, I was blessed. My mom was really, really good about helping me, but I still couldn't be gone as long. Um, you know, one of my dreams is always being on uh, Indiana Task Force One, but I'm not a, a sponsoring. We're not a sponsoring department. And I couldn't be gone. I mean, I was a single dad. Yeah. I couldn't do it. You know, I mean, it was just me and my girls. So it's okay, though. You know, um, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it'd be hard. I, I don't know. I, I hope this spoke and uh, hub and spoke works out well. Uh, the guys that are building the training center for that built mine. Um, Lone Star. Lone Star. Um, I have their fifth building. Um, that thing is magnificent. Yeah. Um, I saw Avon's. Looks like they do really good work. Um, they do good work. And David Eckerman. If you is, guys want to sponsor the podcast. Uh, <laughs> David Eckerman is about as solid as a dude as you can make. If you ever hear want to hear a good story, um, go to the Team Never Quit podcast. And he did, uh, with Marcus Luttrell, he did a story on that mm-hmm. uh, and what he went through at Houston. Um, and he, I didn't know his story and they were in the process of building all of our stuff down there. And I listened, I, out of the blue, I was just, I was, I like to listen to podcasts and I was listening to, to team never quit. And I went, and I called him in the middle. I'm like, you didn't tell me this. He goes, huh, figure it out on your own. But super humble guy. He builds amazing buildings. Um, ours started out as ours was, it was a nightmare for him, uh, because tax dollars, we required some yep. things and it was, uh, it was a nightmare for him, but he built us. He he knocked out of the park. We've done over a hundred burns in ours. Uh, we now I've got some painting to redo. Uh, we really haven't damaged any side inside of it. Uh, we've got some doors that we burn out. Uh, the the doors going into the burn room are a little bit more hollow than they used to be. <laughs> we had a fire in there here, and and I'm like, that door's burning on the inside. 
because he's put solid wood doors in them. Yeah. Well, we just burned all the wood out of the middle of them. Oh, nice. um, so, I mean, but yeah, they're the forcible entry props. Amazing. It's uh, uses, uses actual two by twos, but then he's got a spring loaded system. So you actually have to can work like work the forks around the door and it's actually like forcing a door. Oh, I good. mean, so you get the give in it, but in a metal building, yeah. um, it's, um, vent props are cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. So awesome. Awesome. Um, anything else on the fifth one? No, I'm good. So there's, there's a topic that though is always discussed and I know this is going to be a little long for me to read, but I, I got to read this. I feel like I need to do this. Okay. Um, you, I'm sure you've already read it. I bet John has already read it, uh, because I guarantee John follows this guy. Um, I gotta, I had it and I lost it after the taylor swift movie okay okay so john buckman shared something the other day he didn't write this he even he even put author unknown but it, it does hit we've had this discussion an excuse for the length uh new generation of firemen so it's called as it is widely discussed the new generation of firefighters entering firehouses for their first shift are different they have spent more time in classrooms than working hard labor more time in front of screens than swinging a hammer. Since the beginning of firefighting, it has been taken for granted that when you got a rookie, they would understand basic mechanics, plumbing, building construction, and tool use. Gone are those days. So what will we do about it? We will laugh when they can't start a saw. Will you poke? Or will you laugh when they can't start a saw? Will you poke fun when they don't know how to check a trip breaker or hook a trailer to a truck? If you do, you'll find yourself in the majority of today's fire service. We get it. You didn't sign up to be a life coach. You did, however, sign up to be a mentor. You teach the craft to those coming in below you. Take the five minutes that, ex that someone else didn't to show them how and explain why. Every action done from shift start to shift end contributes to the mission. So treat every action as such. Don't be... Don't be above showing them how to load a dishwasher or run a drill. If you're getting frustrated that they aren't volunteering to do something, realize that they're probably just too nervous to ask. They didn't ask to not be taught. Fostering simple skills in and around the firehouse will set the score for the next decade in the fire service. Author unknown. I commented, great advice. We have to remember that we were the stupid, worthless generation to the generation or generations before us. Leadership requires us to adapt to the new way new recruits learn. We all had to learn how to make and present a PowerPoint when we refused to conform to new technology. And now that's the norm. So that was my take. There's so much more, but I, I just want to open it up and you guys put, because we've had this conversation about, oh, the new generation, the new generation. Uh, I know we said that about Gantt. So, <laughs> but in the extrication world, the one thing that stands out to me is we had to start making props with different size nuts and bolts and screwdrivers and SAE and metric because a lot of them don't know. So I'm opening it up. So if you look at this too, we have guys, we, we, we hire, we're different since we're not a perfect department. I can hire a guy at 18. I can hire a guy at 18. You know how many 18-year-olds have never cleaned a toilet? <laughs> yeah. I actually had to teach a new guy how to clean a toilet. Um, 
they never one of the questions I ask first shift when they come off off of training, come off the of days and come to come to shift. You know how to cook? Nope. Better figure it out because you've got you got you got three shifts. You're the, you're the third shift. You're next. Yeah. Figure it out. If you want help, I will help you. But figure it out. So we have to be able to communicate with this younger generation on how they communicate. How do your younger generations talk to each other? This phone. Correct. What app do they use? Do you know? Well, <laughs> could be Snapchat. Could so be. Do you have Snapchat? Can I you do communicate not with have them? Snapchat. So one of the things that I found is sometimes you have to change yourself. Yep. You have to be willing to change to say, okay, I have Snapchat because my children have it. And I, my children, when they were got phones, they could not have any social media platform that I can't see them on. Right. That was the rule. Well, so I, I don't use it, but that's how a lot of my guys, my guys will sit in the same room and send snaps to each other. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Now I'm the old guy and I'm like, okay, how does this work? Um, but being able to go on the same level they are, they have skills that we don't have. We need Absolutely. to we need to exploit those skills. Um, so I am about computer literate enough just to make make things happen. I can do a Word document, I can make a PowerPoint, but if you ask me to do anything in Excel, um, wh again, why are you putting letters and symbols in there where I'm <laughs> supposed to be putting numbers? Yes, I got a guy that hey, I need some information. He made can make Excel sheets and pulled it off or run stuff. And I don't have to sit for an hour and go through and log call and look at call call data. It's all done for me. He knew how to do it. Saved me a ton of work. So I used his abilities to teach me and help me. So we have we have to be the ones that have to change too. Mm -hmm. We can't expect Absolutely. these young guys to do all the changing. A again, I grew up. I wanted to I wanted to build race cars. My best friend growing up, still probably my best friend in the world. Uh, we race cars from quarter midgets all the way up to sprint cars. And um, that's what I grew up doing. I mean, we could rebuild a 250cc motorcycle engine in a hotel room in about 35 minutes because yeah. we did it. Um, now, you ask a guy to, hey, I need you to change that, uh, that saw blade. How do I do that? You know, give them the tools, train them how to do it, and then set those expectations. I expect you to be able, if you don't have, again, it goes back to that first one, set, set those expectations. Um, if you don't understand how to do something, don't stand over here in the corner and be shy about it. You need to be able to do it. And don't be afraid to volunteer somebody to do something. Yeah. Um, right now, it, it, when I was growing up, if you didn't, somebody raised your hand to do, say, hey, I need people to do this, and nobody didn't do it, normally the person standing in the back was the one that got picked. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I've never been the shy kid, but I was always the one that said, I'll try it. What am I going to screw up? Don't berate them when they screw up. If they mess something up, Say, hey, that was a great, it, it, it's a different, when we grew up, you were the dumbest son yes. of a bitch ever. Yep. You did not know how to do this. If you tell that to one of these kids now, they're probably going to go above your head and say, he's bullying me. Oh, yeah. So you need to be able to go and say, hey, all right, here's what you did. You Good good try. Let's yep. try my way. Yeah. And don't get butthurt when, <sighs> when, when we try and do this, you know? Don't get butthurt. Let's, yeah. And, and this, is, this is one thing that I've got two new guys. One guy had time on the job, came from another department. Then I got a brand new kid with me. And that's, you know, me and my lieutenant were like, that's what's great about these kind of crews. Everybody brings something. Yep. The youngest kid brings something to make our team stronger. Yep. Everybody brings something to the team. And that's what we have to realize is 
We're all here to make each other better. We're the same team. Let's give each other shit. Oh. I'm going to give you uh, shit. I, but I'm not ever going to not do that. But I'm also not going to. I've learned that you can't berate them. And, and I learned that the hard way because I, 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 I'm very I'm very boisterous and I'm very upfront <laughs> on things. And again, and, and I had to learn this. You've, and I actually had to learn this when I had my daughter as a student. I had my daughter as a, a, in Firefighter One. I was running the I was running the Firefighter One class when my daughter went through it. You want to talk about? I know what happens when you pressure my daughter. She shuts down. I had to adapt to the way I was teaching a class so I could get her to do what I wanted and what needed to be done without shutting her down. Try that when it's your own kid and you know that you know this is going to happen. But you have to be able to adapt to what they do. You know. Um, I, I, I was listening to somebody, I don't remember who it was, they were talking about sometimes it's not official, but if it's unofficial communications, they'll do it through Snapchat mm-hmm. on the job. I'm like, I don't know about that. I, <laughs> you know, because I may see something that I don't want to see. Some people yeah. put stuff up there they don't need to see. But if they're willing to put it up there, it's out there for the world to see. Um, but, you know, having the ability to um, adapt to them too, because we, we can't ask, we can't be a one-sided change. Yep. And that's one of the things I think a lot of times that we run into as senior people, officers, chiefs, training people, you have to do it this way and we expect you to change and do it the way we learned it. And you can't do that. Right. You, you can't beat the, you can't, you, you can't browbeat them. I was uh, involved in a, a class uh, a few years ago and I think they were, the, this department was beating their guys down a little too much. And they, but when you bring it up, well, this is the way I was trained. Mm-hmm. Things are different. Hey, buddies. We apologize for the inconvenience. My name is Matt. I'm one of the originators of the KTP. I'm just helping Ryan out put this episode together. The computer they were using during the episode had died, so they started up with a part two. So I really hope that you guys enjoy the rest of the episode. All right. So uh, we're two hours and 15 minutes into this. Uh, great conversation. We're Ryan and I were actually talking about, well, you know, if we get an hour and a half, that's cool. I they said, I bet me. we get two hours. They don't know me. <laughs> um, I got two more hours we could go. But uh, uh, that'll be a part two. And maybe we'll go to Honey Creek. We'll go to his firehouse, sit at his kitchen table. Oh, God. Uh, talk to his people. <laughs> Bring it. I love it. Um, but in the words of Mike Rowe, uh, we're going to land this ship, uh, wrap this up. Um Battalion Chief Bratcher had to go on a run. Must have been a long run because he never came back. But he's he's on shift. We are so proud of that guy. I hope it's uh, burning. Yeah, I hope it's burning <laughs> yeah, too. Because my part time job will probably get a call. <laughs> um, I am going to give a shout out to my part time job, and they're a sponsor here. One eight hundred board up. Um, uh, talk to them more. Uh, some of the executive team, and they really like this, and they're giving me some ideas and. Uh, they're doing some good stuff, and, and they allow me to do this, um, and they're a great sponsor along with our other ones. So, anybody, Ryan, you have anything to say? Nope. I think we, uh, like you said, we want to thank 1-800-BOARD-UP, um, Flame Decon, Flame Decon. you know, Tara. She's got that great product over there. Yeah. Uh, we do have a coupon code, KTP15, for Tara also. Um, Axe Head Threads, you know, got to thank them. And then uh, the new one, Charge of the Line Design. Yeah. So KTP15 for a code there. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. 
Chief, we uh, we do thank you. Thank and you. This has been cool. I've had a, had a lot of fun. Hopefully, of fun. we can come out check your check your training. Come on out yeah. and see your we'll, training area. We'll come out, out. we'll come play. So yeah. uh, we'll invite anybody down. Uh, anybody that wants to come play. So. Is there is there anything you wanna you wanna plug? Um, anything at all that you're no, involved with? Uh, yeah, I'm involved with a lot of stuff. We got um, new batteries, so we're good. We got new batteries. <laughs> um, you know, I am I'm very blessed to have some people that are um, that have been really good to me to give me the opportunity to out and train and teach what i like uh, my again we didn't even talk about extrication but that's my that's my bread and butter that's yep. what i teach we teach uh, i work for a record service on my days off so eddington's record service in Terre Haute and marshall illinois we uh i actually have the my operations manager there is now working with ron also so ron richards at task force one actually put a record guy on his teaching cadre so when we go and do these things, uh, Josh is a has a certification through Rec Masters, yes, and uh, which I'm working my way through now. That's a lot of that's a long process for a part time job, but um, doing he he he's expanded us uh, to bring in somebody that's not fire service related, and so reach out and find those people because there's a lot of a lot of people that can help you. Um, I'll, I'm going to say this since I do it on my days off. Record drivers are not cooter from there's a hazard anymore they're professionals they're professionals and they have a lot of information they can bring you so use them we're doing a class um on saturday in owen county uh one of the record services down there we're uh is doing a, uh, an extrication class during that day and uh josh and i are going to go down and do some a little bit of work with that kind of give some ideas and uh i've got a class out there through task force one called wreckers and rescue not your normal mutual aid and it talks about bringing Starting them early and using them, setting up the mm-hmm. mutual aid, uh, the mutual aid agreements, and the uh, 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 the, the agreements on how you're going to work and train, and some of the stuff that you want to look at. So, if you have any questions, um, I'll be glad to give you my information. My phone's never shut off; um, it's been sitting over here on the chair ringing the entire time <laughs> we've been here. Um, but um, please don't stop what you're doing. You guys don't stop what you're doing because this brings it brings an element to the job that we didn't have when we started. Yep. We didn't have this ability to sit and listen to basically all you're doing is sit and listen to guys talk, but they have they're like-minded. They, they have good intentions and they want what's best, not just for themselves, but what's best for the fire service. And the, the this job's amazing. And um, it, it's brought me some big, huge highs and it's taken me to the depths of the low, but you know what? I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, but I appreciate you guys having me. So, couldn't wrap that up any better than that, right yeah. there, um, brother John. Thank you guys, Chief Shackelford. Stop cussing at me. <laughs> Thank you for the drive. When I reached out to you, I expected either we were going to drive there or we we're going to do it audio over the phone. You said I want to come out. I said sweet because I can hang out in person. Thanks for the drive. On behalf of the KTP crew, really. Thank you for being here. And we've got some good stuff coming up. I can't wait. Awesome. Uh, good stuff scheduled. And uh, we will be coming out to Terre Haute, to Honey Creek Fire we'll, Department. We'll bring in everybody and we'll get everybody involved. <laughs> we won't just do Terre Haute. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get Honey Creek. We'll get Terre Haute. We'll get everybody involved. We like to, we, we like to share. I'll wrap this up. Keep it up. Keep training. Keep learning. Keep aspiring. Keep mentoring. And let's keep this train going. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Kitchen Table Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion on firefighting, the importance of training, and the incredible bond of brotherhood that unites firefighters. If you'd like to stay connected with us and access more insightful conversations, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. 
whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to spread the word. And remember, stay safe out there because together we're stronger. Until next time, take care. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories from the front lines of firefighting.